All right, let's start with this Facebook situation here, Aaron. Um, those of you watching, I'm sorry, we keep saying Facebook. Should we start calling it Meta? No, no, no. Okay, and and it all makes sense now, right? It does. Hindsight it it makes so much. It makes so much sense, it, right? Looking back on it, it's like, all right, if everything's going groovy, if everything's good. You're not changing your name of the company. Zuckerberg saw the numbers declining in the Facebook, in the social media part of the business, and he said, hey, we got to pivot. We got to pivot fast. Hey, this metaverse thing sounds cool. People keep talking about it. They already had a head start with Oculus, so might as well <laughs> dive deep into this. The problem with that is Zuckerberg himself is like, yeah, the future is very unclear. We don't know, you know really how long this is going to take for this to be profitable, if it will be profitable. Um, I still do think there is a long-term bull case for Meta for Facebook, and that's if it indeed becomes the leader um, or, or solidifies itself as the leader in the AR VR space, and that gaming space continues to grow. I mean, there are projections that there could be a billion people playing AR VR gaming by 2030. So if Facebook has you know half that market or something, it could still be a, a strong company down the road. But bottom line is, most of Facebook's revenue by a large margin, comes from its advertising revenue through Facebook, through Instagram, so it's still reliant on its social media numbers, on its user count. And this is what happens when a, when a growth stock ceases to grow. I mean, it, for the first time ever, as Facebook reporting as a public company, I, did its users decline? I'm, well, they, they didn't grow. Didn't, gr yeah. didn't grow. They didn't decline. grow. No, they didn't grow. I thought they saw a, a, a million decrease and maybe not either way it didn't grow regardless for facebook to not grow its user base is, is unheard of it's facebook that's the one thing you could always count on was they add more users and some yeah some, sometimes they they get around a slow and growth by buying an instagram right or buying a whatsapp right uh and so they grow that way but they're always growing um they never mentioned competition really before and yesterday on that conference call, they mentioned the, comp the variations of the word competition or competitors. Thir I counted 13 times. Yeah, TikTok. It's a thing. It's gotten into Facebook. Look at this chart from today. This is this is this is a um, a chart. This is going back to here. Let's even zoom out a little bit more. This let's go back to the start of COVID, uh, at least in the U.S. So let's go back to March, February 2020. You've basically given up. What, what is this? Uh, a year and a half's worth of gains in one day. Today. L look at the volume in, in, in Meta. I'm going to try to call it Meta because I, you know, try to call companies by their correct name. Big J. Um, <laughs> capital J, right. Look at the volume bar in Facebook. Look at, look at how much volume is traded today. 108 million shares? The day is half over. And just to be clear, Spencer, that's shares traded selling and buying? Yeah. Mostly selling, Will. Let's, let's be real. What happens when stocks go down? More sellers than, or at least larger sellers than buyers. Um, so let's go to the 15-minute chart on this. I mean, hey, silver lining, you stopped going down for the moment, right? You can hang your head on that, your head on that if you want. Um... I always, I always think it's a, a good exercise to try to identify the positive and negative spin because stocks are all about stories. Um, 
there really is not much positive spin here. I guess the only way to spin this positively is like, yes, Facebook saw this coming, and they, they therefore they're they're pivoting to the the metaverse for for a reason. Um, but can they execute on that? We're basically back to square one. This is an entirely different. This is a new company now. This is a new business. If last quarter is not an exception maybe last quarter is an exception maybe last or actually actually i guess now it's the last two quarters maybe the last two quarters are just a a, a bump on the road if that's the case then this is a, a buying opportunity but if you don't think that if you think if you, if you think the last two quarters of slowing user growth is a is, is a going to be a prolonged trend then and you think metaverse is the future then we're basically back to square one here this company now has to prove that they can execute again well if, yeah, and I mean, talking just on the social media side of the company, yeah. it's been no secret. I mean, it's been for 10 years now, basically, a joke that, okay, like, Facebook's not cool anymore. Your parents are on it. Yeah. And Instagram has kind of seen this. I mean, Instagram is, is still a younger person's game than Facebook, 100%. But it is seen Facebook or Instagram's losing market share to, you to, know, to Snapchat and, and TikTok. TikTok. Mostly TikTok, um, let's be honest. Yeah, and we, and we talked about this the other day. We talked about... Uh, we talked about TikTok cutting into Snap, and I made the case that I think for Snapchat and TikTok, because they serve different purposes, at least for that younger generation, that that there is a space for both of them. But Instagram, I mean, Instagram's directly trying to compete with TikTok with, with Instagram's Reels feature. I mean, they're short videos like TikTok. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, TikTok's in right now, Instagram's out, uh, and and people care. People don't care that Facebook has, you know millions and millions of retirees and 60 year olds no. using it every day they want the younger demographic they want the younger demographic to be growing which it hasn't been for instagram um for facebook the writing's been on the wall so i'm really kicking myself because i uh i traded this yesterday and i actually was trading on the upside in the earnings and i used basically i i had made some decent profits from trading Apple into earnings and then Google. I know uh, Jay Rice and a couple people out there uh, may have tailed me on that Google trade a couple days ago. And I basically used all my profits on the on the Facebook trade, which effectively wiped them out. Mm. But I'm not really kicking myself over it because if, if you're gonna be a trader, if you're going to you know do this, especially if you're gonna trade earnings, you're gonna miss a few. You're not gonna be 100%. I'm more just kicking myself because I, I, I kind of knew all this about Facebook and, and didn't really, play all I didn't really take all in, that all into account mm -hmm. and I also I mean I have a I have a newsletter I've been putting out every morning uh basically just like the top three headlines you need little like five minute read if anyone if anyone wants it let me know in the, in the chat and I'll get you uh subscribed to it but I even said in, in yesterday's newsletter I said Facebook's uh has to deal with the fact that Google Amazon or Google Apple and Microsoft all put out great reports so they've set the bar really high so even if Facebook does put out decent numbers investors may trade trade it off because they didn't match the expectations set by Google uh, Apple and Microsoft and and still again didn't take that into account yeah if I would have played on the short side obviously would have should have could have uh, would have been like a 10x I mean those puts have gone crazy I believe it because a twenty percent move was not priced into the. That was not no, the expected no. move. Again, uh, like the the, the idea of, of Facebook not growing its user base, like like not growing uh, as much as estimates is one thing, but not growing at all at all from the last quarter is something else entirely. Real quick, Aaron, how do you, how do we find that newsletter that you uh, just um, told us about that you just teased? 
for us. Here, I do have a land. We're working on on getting. Uh, well, wait, what's the newsletter called, man? Ring the bell. Ring the, the bell. Spencer and I also have a, a daily podcast that goes out with it. Although, uh, I. Been recording that one, kind of, kind of on my lonesome the past couple days, Spencer. Okay, I mean it's your thing, man. You gotta, you gotta let me know. All right, but yeah, I mean basically it's kind of like a, a snacks style thing, but better than Robin Hood. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I've been not like I've embarrassed Facebook for I don't know, basically since the whole Cambridge Analytica thing came out. Was that two years ago? Now I think that was maybe two or three years ago. I've embarrassed Facebook for a while. Um, that was, you know, uh, I, I own it. I own it because I own like the S and P 500 index and Facebook is, is, is a large, uh, um, is, is a large piece of that. Um, but I, if I could, I would, I, if I could cost like do a direct index, I would get Facebook out of it, uh, out of my, but uh, you know, you can't really do it like that. But, um, I don't like Facebook. I'm on it. I'm on it, but I my account was deactivated for like a year and I've only recently reactivated it. I, I don't, I'm not even on Instagram. I mean, I am, but I'm not. So I think the, honestly, the biggest question mark leading into this was how much of an effect was Apple's, um, that was certainly a privacy that, yeah. going to affect Facebook and Google seemed to, um, you know, not be impacted by it too much. Although I, I would imagine there's a difference. So, so essentially about what happened was, Apple changed its privacy rules, so it gave users um, the option of not, uh, you know, giving your privacy data away to, to platforms yeah. like Facebook, yeah. like Google, so then they can, can't use those. I mean, you remember you, we would see those highly personalized ads on Facebook. It'd be like, if you're Aaron and born in May, you need to buy this T-shirt. And I'm like, how the hell does it know all this shit about me? Or you would um, say something and you would see it. Yeah, exactly. So Apple basically stepped in and said, we're not going to be... Uh, a conduit for that. We're not going to allow that to happen through us. We're going to we're going to allow our users to have greater privacy. So it brought Google and Facebook's ad revenue down. Um, but yeah, I mean that that's going forward now. The biggest question with Meta is a how big will the metaverse be, and will Facebook be will metaverse will Meta platforms be the leader in that, or if not the leader, a leader? Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 basically like. An entire reassessment of that business overnight, which is uh, yeah, and a reassessment of my portfolio. <laughs> as you can see in the stock, is uh, reflecting that. Um, again, a year and a half worth of gains gone in one day. Um, and I also think looking at the chart, there were some signs on the chart. I mean, if you look before Facebook reported earnings, all the other like big fang stocks, save Netflix have gotten pretty you know close back to their all-time highs apple i guess microsoft is still off of it but facebook seemed to have not been trading as well as the other big name tech stocks um of course netflix is is a an exception there um but netflix actually been trading pretty well past up down again four percent so that's the other thing is like we talked about this this morning as well there is a big difference between a stock Let's go to where's my pro? There's my pro. There's a big difference between a stock like PayPal getting crushed and a stock like Facebook, right? PayPal is a tiny fraction of the S&P 500. Facebook is one of the largest components. It's in, it's definitely in the top 10, 
right? It's a huge part. So, so you see the entire market down today, right? Blame Facebook. Seriously, blame Facebook for the stock market being down today. It, it, that's not an accident. Oh, they, but speaking of this, yeah, can you pull up a Bitcoin's chart real quick? I can do that. BTC USD. Can we go? Yeah, you know me. Can we go to like a fifteen minute? We're on a fifteen minute. All right. Uh, can you go to yesterday at four p.m. Eastern? Yes, I can. As I zoom very slowly, da, 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 that guy, right there. Yeah, I mean this just furthers my point. Like Bitcoin is just trading with big tech at this point. Facebook reports bad earnings. Bitcoin drops three percent. I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're. I mean, you're not wrong. Bitcoin is a proxy for the tech trade, the the growth trade, right? The risk on trade. And um, if you see a major tech component get crushed like this, it's going to hit everything. And Bitcoin is tech, so yeah, it makes sense. And I mean, th th this isn't. This is why I do think it is important because I think this takes away from the argument from a lot of, you know, Bitcoin, you know, Bitcoin bugs. Like you have gold bugs. If you have Bitcoin bugs, that say it's a hedge. You know, like how, how is it a hedge if it's going to trade down off of Facebook's earnings? I don't, I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. So I think that it just takes away that aspect. I mean, I'm not saying I'm, a, I'm bearish Bitcoin. I don't like Bitcoin. I just, yeah. that one utility, that one thing that people point to is saying, oh, it's a head, you know, it's a head, you know, whatever. People, they, they, the crypto people did used to say that, that, oh, if the market crashes, you're going to wish you had Bitcoin, whatever. But I mean, we saw when the market crashed from COVID, Bitcoin crashed with it. Yeah. That, that was a very interesting case study. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I'm still in the camp that I think longer term, and I mean longer term, Bitcoin has the potential to be a hedge. But in the short term, absolutely not. Well, you need to see this correlation broken. And, and it's not to say that that can't, you know, just because something's correlated right now doesn't mean it will be forever. But right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, absolutely. I was <laughs> I'm not going to say I was shocked to see that. I, I saw Facebook and I was like, oh, I wonder what Bitcoin's doing right now. Um, your, your point yesterday was well taken and noted today. Um, my question here's here. Let's, let's go forward though. Now let, let's go back to the Facebook chart. Um, let's get off of Bitcoin for a second. Um, looking ahead, I don't think the pain is over. I typically, you know, you see a stock trade on 25%. I'm definitely not trying to like jump in and, you know, either call the bottom or like chase that move down. However, I'm I could be interested in buying some puts on Facebook here, Aaron, or, or if not Facebook, then at the very least, maybe we do this during the show today, Snapchat or Pinterest specifically. See, I, don't, I don't love puts on Snapchat right now. Tell me why. I have not looked at the options chain. I don't even have my account open right now, so I don't even know what it's saying. Because that, but that bar's already been set. I mean, Snapchat's I, down twenty percent today. I know, I know. You know, you, typically I would agree with you, but I think the like the way the market has been in the last couple of months, this is the kind of market that will punish you, and then come back for more and punish you again, and then punish you again. And when you think the pain is over, it's probably not over. I. I I just don't think that I mean, I, I don't I would not be surprised if that happens, if Snapchat reports tonight and it's down another five, ten percent tomorrow. Yeah. But what I what I think is almost more likely is they 
put out a not so great report and say some of the same things Facebook was saying, talk about TikTok. Um, but people are like, ah, oh, it wasn't that bad. Like, you know, whatever. I mean, it, Snapchat's been down or Snapchat's down 50% over the last three months alone. Oh, really? Let's go to a daily on this chart. So I've got Snapchat and I've got Pinterest. Pinterest is, in, is the purple line. Snapchat is the candles. So let's just go to the last few months here. Yeah. yeah. I just think that move, I mean, if you were going to play Snapchat puts, I th think you should have done it yesterday in hindsight now that stock's down 20 I think that the report, yes, the bar is low. I think the report will probably be bad. I think the report will almost certainly be bad. Okay, speaking of this. For both me, these companies. Let me, let, let, let's, let's do another company out of a different space that's reporting today, Clorox. Oh, okay, that has nothing to do with this. Tell me, are you, are you in Clorox here? Well, this is the exact opposite. No, so Clorox is reporting today. Yeah. And like Snapchat, here's a relation. Okay. Clorox has set the bar very low. For wait, what? Oh, you mean like in terms of the, the stock? Yes. Oh, like it, go go to go to the because uh, the... go, go to the calendar here and go to the earnings. Yeah. Okay. And look at its past few quarters and okay. what what's estimated for today. Okay, I, can I do believe that. around uh, like fifty billion or something. Uh, n no, fifty. What? No, in Clorox, no, one point six billion in revenue is the estimate, eighty four cents per share on the earnings. Oh, uh, sorry, I was yeah. Um, but compare that to, to the previous quarters. Okay, so we're looking. We we have to always go year over year. So the estimate is for the last quarter to have actually been a worse quarter uh, than the prior year. Right, right. Revenue down, and uh, bottom line, earnings higher, but top line revenue uh, lower is the estimate for for right now. Um, but let's go. Let's just go to like pre COVID twenty nine. So he, here are the going back to still above pre COVID levels in terms of revenue uh, is the estimate for tonight. I mean, not going back to uh, yeah. I went back to Q. Look, Q two twenty twenty. I'm sorry. Yeah. That report from February 4th, 2020. That was pre-COVID. February 4th, 2020. Yep, they reported... Um, One, okay, but, but if you go back two quarters before that, they were... No, no, uh, but you have to compare it. You have to compare... like The Q, same quarter. The same quarter. Yeah, it's, you have to compare a Q2 to Q2, a Q3 to a Q3. So a Q2 of 2020 uh, here, I guess, uh, from the, the report from two Q2s ago... They uh, made uh, EPS of a buck forty-six and revenue of one point four five billion dollars. But going back to Q three twenty twenty, which is what the reporting. Okay, no Q two today. This, wait, why are my columns all out of order? Okay, here? hold on. Let's, my columns are out of order. So yes, yeah, same this. quarter last year, they were estimated more revenue. Um, right, I'm, I'm fixing and a higher EPS. What the going on here my columns are all out of order so i estimated revenue revenue but i mean okay so this would be the, EPS, the first EPS, there we go estimate for eps below one in one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven quarters yeah more for, than that yeah i mean like they got a huge covid boost right so that's not going to sustain itself but i'm saying even going back well before covid the eps was which i know eps isn't like the greatest metric out there but was well above one every single quarter the estimated eps and now it's 8.4 i think it's just a sign of a of a declining growth declining revenue okay so so going back to the chart though what was your point you, you were saying the bar is low the bar is low but now, I'm confused whether you're the bar is low in a good way or a bad way. 
That's the question. I mean, I think they I think the core I think they put out not so great numbers, but they've already kind of indicated that. I'm looking at Clorox puts here because I uh you 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 if, if you do get like a 5% drop on a stock like Clorox, the puts pay out um 5% of Clorox would be a big move, I think. Right, and we've seen a few of those with the other earnings reports in Clorox, but the price, it's not priced. I mean, these tech stocks like, you know, Roblox and Snapchat are expected to move this much. Clorox isn't. Um, so I'm looking at some puts on Clorox, and actually here, I'll, I'll share my screen real quick on, okay. on my Robinhood, and we can look at the options chain. I was looking at it, and I was like, who who trades who trades Clorox in the, in the earnings? And I, I scroll down on my history. You did. Oh, I guess I did. I did. <laughs> Same quarter last year, January 26th. I bought calls. I bought five contracts at 240, Spencer. Yeah. Sold them at 1320. Oh boy. So that's what I'm talking about is we got a big move at that at the same quarter last year. Granted, it was to the upside, not to the, not to the downside. Um and uh, and those contracts paid out very nicely because uh there there's a not as big of an implied move, but then you get that move. Um, and it's great. Someone was asking me to compare CL Colgate's earnings to when did Colgate report? Colgate Palm Olive. Oh, Colgate reported today. No, no. Recently. No. Uh, why? No, they're off cycle. I think they reported. Oh wait, no, that was they reported last week. They reported last, last week. week. Yeah, yeah. They reported. Um, so if we look at the calendar here, and I'm just, pulling your screen back up and, real quick too. Let me just look at like what they said for their last quarter, how that compares. Uh, so this is Q4 of 2021, revenue 4.4 billion. That was higher than the prior year, which was higher than the prior year, higher than the prior year. So their revenue is increasing, and the bottom line earnings here, right? 79 cents, 77. Back to year 73, 74, 75. So yeah, their last quarter for them was a better quarter than the same period in in each of the last like ten years, basically. So that's how that's how how far back our data goes, uh, ten years. So, um, uh, so the point was that unlike Col- um, uh, Clorox, Clorox uh, Colgate at least seems to be growing. I think that was the point in bringing that up. How's the chart doing though? I have no idea. Oh. All right, you know what? Let's actually stack them up. This is the, one of my favorite things to do: is just stack charts up against each other. CLX versus CL. Yeah. I mean, that's not an accident. So how did Clorox or how that's, did uh... if Clorox is, if sorry if Colgate is growing and Clorox is not, the chart reflects that. How how did uh, Colgate trade after earnings? Uh, I'll have to go to a 15-minute chart here because they reported on when the 28th. I think yeah, you can see that. That I think that overnight gap is probably their earnings report. So it opened lower, but it came back that that same day. Um, looks like they closed. The stock closed at 82 prior to the report. Yeah, Clorox and, and uh, we're, we're so we're basically back to where we were pre pre earnings. Quantum, Clorox and uh, Colgate, they're in the same sector. They're uh, consumer yeah, staples. Yeah, they're both like household like items, like bathroom items, like toothpaste and Windex and all that good stuff that everybody needs needs to buy. Toilet paper, right? Um, all right, so we don't have any active trades on either of those, but you're considering it. I am. Let's look. Okay. Let's take a look. I'm put my screen back And by, by the way, Hot Stocks, Luke Jacoby should be joining us. 
Oh, I did. Any moment. I have to disclose this before Luke comes on. I I asked. I, I kind of got Luke into the Facebook trade with me yesterday. Uh oh. That's why he's not here. He's licking his wounds. He is probably not very happy with me. Although, I would have felt worse if I was like, oh, here's this trade, here's my thesis on it, yada, yada. And I was more just like, uh, I'm going to YOLO some calls into Facebook. And so he knew it was. Okay. That's all it was. Okay. So okay. at the end of the day, if when he comes on and tries to blame me for it, you guys just got to let him know, hey, man, that was your call <laughs> to do that, not AB. Um, all right, let's look at Clorox options. So we report tonight. Uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to look at the ones that expire tomorrow. I mean, you could, to be a little bit safer, look at the February 18th, the monthlies, because if we buy these, say, like, you know, 160 puts, if Clorox opens down tomorrow but not down, you know, 5%, 10%, um, then, we're, then we're fine uh, with the monthlies. But if, anytime I'm playing earnings, I'm just going to do the, the – Closest expiration date, so we're looking at <laughs> nice way to be. General rule of thumb: when in doubt, go soon. Yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> we're, we're, it's like a binary. This is a, a binary it, options. Yeah, we're doing <laughs> binary <laughs> options. They're either it's either going to be down and we're going to make money, or it's not and we're going to lose all the money. So, um, wait, these are. Oh, I'm looking at the calls. I was like, these are more expensive than I would have thought. All right, one one sixty. All right, so let's say we get a 5% drop. That'd be about $8. That brings us down to $154. Um, 5% drop may be a little too much expected, so I'm going to go... Th- let's go... I, I like this. 160 So all we need is a $6 drop, $125. Um, yeah, MDK. I think that's, that's fine. I think that's fine. I think that's... I've thought about doing the same thing, uh, just inversing all, all my ideas. But, yeah. All right. What do you, what do you guys think about this in the, in, the tra- in the chat? 150 or $160 puts cost us about 123 Zunaid, let me know what you think. Uh, I okay. For, we'll, we'll get back to the overall market. We're just looking for trades we can we can put on. Yeah, quantum. I know the calls are cheaper. I think that's almost a good sign here on the on the downside. All right, I'm, I'll hold off on this for a second. We'll see what Luke thinks. Let's go take a let's let's go back to Benzinga Pro, um, and take a look at what's going on with the overall market right now because we did see a little drop, uh, both in spy and in the queues. So. Zunaid, I was just asking if you had any opinions on, on the Clorox trade going into, into earnings today, but we're pulling up SPY real quick. So here's the best thing about Benzinga Pro. View the chart right here, but then right below you've got the advanced news feed and the details tab, so any pertinent headlines to the security you're looking at, whether it's SPY, whether it's an individual stock, uh, you can see these headlines right here. So you don't need to go to Google and say, hey, what's going on with uh, Facebook? What's going on with Apple stock today? Now, now we can see it uh, right here. It, it's really 
it, it makes it a lot easier to trade because before I, I had access to this, I was going around to like 10 different tabs on my thing every single time when I was looking at a stock because I wanted to see the news. I wanted to see the financials. I wanted to see the chart. Uh, but now it's all in one place. So if you guys haven't tried this out, I'll drop a link in the chat. You can sign up for a two-week free trial. No credit card needed. Um, so really no reason not to just check it out for a couple weeks and let us know what you think. Pro.Benzinga.com. Go ahead and sign up for that free trial. Um, and now I'd like to introduce our very special guest, Mr. Jacoby. All right. What is going on, guys? Happy Thursday. 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 All right. Let's get into it. Let's First things first, Luke. Let's talk about the Facebook trade. Yeah, that's what I was about to Okay. We're getting right into it. All right. Let, I, owe, I owe Luke an apology. Yeah, did we talk about that yet? I talked about my trade and how I screwed up, but I wasn't beating myself up over it because I was, I was on a hot streak where I played Apple's earnings correctly, I played Google's earnings correctly, I played Microsoft's earnings correctly, and I, I basically just used a lot of those profits on the Facebook trade. And if you're going to trade option, options into earnings, you're not going to get every single one right. All right, so I've been following Producer AB into uh, sports betting picks. It's been horrible. Uh, yesterday, I, I let him tell me that we should buy what was it, three fifties? We, we bought Facebook calls. We bought different strike prices, but the, the the idea was the same, right? Okay, so we bought Facebook three fifty strike calls expiring tomorrow. Stocks at two forty one right now. At four o five p.m. yesterday, Eastern Time, right? This is right when earnings is coming out. Uh, I was on a call with somebody. Said I am not looking at the chart. So give me a direction. Is it up or down? He's like, wait out. But but we bought one contract and it and it was for fun. And but, but now let's get into the serious part of how how do we trade Facebook with this this new information that we have today? But go ahead. What's your and? I was just gonna say I would have felt worse had I been like, hey Luke, here's this trade. Here's my thesis. I did all this research. I was just like, hey, I'm gonna YOLO this. So. Yep. So so uh, can I share my screen? Can we? Can we yeah. Do you mind so switching it over? Of course. Or do I got to do something? Um, yeah, you're Benzinga Pro. Facebook right here. Let, let me do mine, okay? You're, that is yours. Oh, it's not. Oh, no, it's not. That's Spencer's. I thought okay. you were using... Uh, All right, there we go. There we go. All right. All right. So so Facebook, obviously off, off 25% today. Let, let's do a quick check through the numbers. Um, I'm going to click over to the guidance, okay? So so whenever we get an earnings report, the the guidance, the the amount of money that a company expects to make in a future period is always more important than the money that they made in the previous period. So Facebook gave us a preview. They said for the for the first quarter, so that's the quarter that we're in right now, right? We're we're one or three months through that first quarter. Uh the the company is going to make somewhere from from 27 to 29 billion dollars. Uh, if you annualize that, that that's right around $120 billion of revenue a year. Take their market cap today, uh, which I believe is, it's down to somewhere in the sixes. I did the math before I hopped on. That means that Facebook's trading at about a five and a half times forward price to sales ratio. Um, let, let, let's go ahead and, and check out the bottom of the income statement. So, so let's go look at EBITDA. And, and we don't have an EBITDA figure here, so we're gonna use net operating income. The, the, the definition of net operating income is going to be the amount of money that the engine of the business drives. 
it's going to be substantially similar to to an adjusted EBITDA number. It's basically you take the core engine, you throw out any money that was made or or lost in in interest or or in corporate treasury. You throw out tax. You know, here here's how much much profit the business is driving. Um, you know, you annualize that that ten billion there. You you get to about forty billion a year. Uh, that means that the stock is at, at about seventeen times uh, EV to EBITDA. So, so we have two numbers that we're looking at. We, we have their forward price to sales at five and a half. We have their trailing EV to EBITDA somewhere around 17. Valuation is okay. Uh, it, it's not like this is a steal. Netflix, Netflix got into steal territory a couple weeks ago. We, we loaded up on Netflix. We're, we're not yet into steal territory here, but, but valuation is fine. And, and if we go ahead and we take a look at, at revenue growth over time, Right, we we can't pretend that Facebook isn't putting up great numbers. I mean, I'm I'm just going to zoom in here. This is revenue per quarter over the last several quarters. I mean, pretty significant revenue growth. The 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 revenue number that the stock is getting killed on today, right? That guidance number they said they're going to make somewhere around 28 billion in the first quarter. Yes, it's a decent bit off of uh, the Q4, the quarter they just reported. But but more or less, I mean, it's it's still an incredibly strong quarter. It's going to be tied for their second and third strongest quarters ever, which just took place in the previous year. Um, because valuation is okay, uh, and and we're still going to get a strong quarter out of Facebook, I sort of like the stock down here at these levels. Here, so so that's the valuation side. Now let's talk about the story side. Whenever I pitch a stock, I like to talk about both the valuation side and I like to talk about the story side. Um, here, here's the story side of it. There's a chance. I think there's a lot of, actually, let's ask this one to the chat. If you believe we are due for a period of prolonged bear market, let's call it at least three months, throw me a one in the chat. If not, throw me a two. I'm curious where everybody's at, but, but, but we, we are in this situation. I'm not calling for a bear market, but I'm saying that we're in a situation where we absolutely could hit one. We could be experiencing one. The, the amount of chop that we're seeing in the indexes and the individual names, a lot of these massive individual names makes me nervous. Uh, but but if we are approaching a longer-term bear market, Facebook is going to be viewed as a defensive stock, right? There's going to be a rotation out of a lot of these other high flyers, and, and Facebook is going to be one of those names that people are throwing in there that says, uh, you know, hey, this is a safer stock, it's a, it's a cash cow, yada, yada. We're, we still want some exposure to tech. We're going to rotate into some of the safer tech names. All right, so so you have the valuation looks okay, not 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 a not a screaming buy. You you have that uh, defensive narrative that's coming up, uh, and and so I sort of uh, I sort of like Facebook down here at this level. Uh, I'm I have not take I've had a long long term position in it. Let's say like a seven year position, something along those lines in Facebook. Uh, I have not taken a new position in this one yet. I don't like that the stock is trading pretty much down to the low of the day right now. But let let's see a bottom come in. Let let let's see a little a little a handful of green candles go the other way. Uh, but when it seems like that downward momentum has stopped, uh, I think that Facebook is interesting here. I agree. The only thing I would say on that is I'm sitting on the sidelines for now because what we've seen over the past uh, few companies that have had big earnings drops like this, like pull up a, a Snapchat or pull up a DocuSign. Fine, I'll, I'll give you another one. So here's Snap. So so after that big earnings drop, a, a lot of people went in there buying it, and, and 
this isn't the most the most recent one on this. This is a two day chart. Here's a um, one year so that's, chart. That's from uh, Facebook earnings last night. That's the drop I'm talking about. A lot of people came in there buying it up, saying, "Hey, Snapchat's not worth 20 percent less than it was a day ago," uh, and the stock continued to trade lower. So I would wait to see if Facebook does something similar. Uh, same thing with DocuSign did the same thing. Um, but Luke, I have another name that's that's been beaten down. But 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 let, let, let's not move off of that yet. So so I I hit a, a pretty decent lick last week on Netflix. I'm still in it. I, I've given up so definitely some decent amount of cash over the past two days. Uh, but I bought Netflix on on this day. If you can see see the candle that I'm looking at here, right? It was the the same day that Spy was down five percent intraday. I have an average price somewhere around three fifty five on it. Uh, stock was was killed off of earnings, and I, and I made a similar sort of pitch that that I'm making for Facebook now, which is Netflix was trading down to five times price to sales, on on Netflix, right? Let, let's let's go ahead and pull up a, a chart here. Look at this revenue growth, steady, 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 steady forever. And you're going to tell me this should be valued at the, at the same rate that the average S and P 500 stock is valued at? I mean, I, I, it was the first time in my life I've ever owned Netflix. I, I wasn't in agreement with some of these nosebleed valuations that we had. But, but, but when the stock was down to five times price to sales, you know, I, I loaded up on it. And, and I, I think that Facebook could be a similar sort of situation. And with Netflix, what happened, we also saw that Bill Ackman, Pershing Square, got into it. We saw Reed Hastings, the, the founder, bought $20 million of stock. I think Facebook could be another scenario. I don't disagree at all. I just my my personal preference would be to wait to see in the next coming weeks. Do we get that immediate uh, move up, looking for that gap to fill, or will we continue to trade lower? So 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 let's ask the chat about this one. Facebook ticker FB. AB and I, producer AB and I, we agree on almost everything, except for who we want to win the Super Bowl and Facebook. Uh, what's the opinion of the group? If you guys like Facebook down here at two forty, put the one in the chat. If not, put the two. Curious where everybody's at. Yeah, should we also mention the stock gave up almost two years of price appreciation? Yeah, we did mention that earlier. Whew. Yeah, a year and a half gains out the window. I have another one, too, that I'm looking at. Do you want to go to that, or do you have something else? I have something else before we get to that one. Maybe maybe they're the same stock. Who knows? Okay. We also do have Ford earnings today. we got a lot of things to get to. All right, let's do rapid fire next uh, four or five minutes. I have, I have two stocks I want to hit on. We have yours, then we also got to talk about Ford. Okay. All right. First one I want to talk about, Twilio. All right. What about it? You want me? I had to ask Spencer something. Okay. Twilio, let me pull this up on my Benzinga Pro. Um, the stock, like many other big... We have other... So Twilio, like other tech stocks out there, has just gotten absolutely decimated the last... Uh, six months or so, if we go back to all-time highs in back in February, almost a year ago, February 2021, Twilio was trading at about $450 a share. It's currently at 182, 60% off its highs. This is why I think Twilio is interesting, right? If we pull up the calendar here in Benzinga Pro, we look at the earnings, we look at revenue. Every single quarter, Twilio's revenue has about eight quarters ago. Twilio's revenue was three hundred million. Now it's seven hundred fifty. Twilio's revenue has been consistently growing quarter over quarter. We look at the estimated revenue that's coming for their earnings next week. 
Um, the estimated revenue is $767 million. Compare that to Q4 of last year, $454 million. They've almost doubled the revenue for year over year in the same quarter. Um, and yet the stock is trading more than 60% off those highs from when the company was reporting the same quarter's earnings a year ago. Again. All right, all right. I, I, this has to be said, okay? If you or anybody out there are buying these tech stocks into earnings right now, I mean, hats off to you. And you have a stomach of steel after what we've seen. Do you not agree with that? I agree. I just think they've all gotten destroyed. I mean, it's been crazy. I just think at some point Twilio becomes interesting as a. As I don't disagree. So I'm just I'm saying, not, I'm you're not buying saying it buy it before earnings. earnings. Maybe we wait till till the earnings. But I mean, isn't that insane? Five hundred or four hundred and fifty million Q1 uh, last year versus seven. I mean, they've doubled their revenue in a year. Yet the stock's down sixty percent. But with that said, it had no business being a four hundred and fifty dollars stock to begin the with. The stock, yeah. So and I, it's still expensive, right? So let's look at Twilio. Twilio, we, we annualized their, their most recent quarter. Uh, the stock's trading still trading at about 10 times price-to-sales ratio. We compare that to, to the Netflix trade that was at 5, so half the valuation. Facebook's at about 5.5 right now. Um, so I don't know. It, it's At least it's pulling back into earnings. But, I mean, some of these stocks, and we're not talking about 5 7% sell-offs into these earnings reports. No, Rain these the are chat, 25% moves. Rain in the chat says about Vivi. Vivi will be joining us in about five minutes. We're going to get to some nice biotech stocks with Vivi, so stick around if you're here for Vivi. Um, all right, Luke, let's, let's wrap. Let's bounce it back to you. What is your stock? All righty. Uh, let's throw this Pulling your up. screen back G- up Give there. me a second. Give me a second. All right. Okay. Uh, the, the ticker that I'm going to talk about is PayPal, ticker P-Y-P-L. Uh, does anybody know that one? Oh, we're really bottom fishing, huh? We're trying to scrape the bottom of the barrel. We're trying to bottom fish. Absolutely. We are trying to catch those falling knives. PayPal All right, now, down now, another... th- now throw it up. Throw it up now. And, and what's the move today? I've not taken the position yet. What's the move today? Uh, do you know what the stock movement is, AB? Down 5%. So down another 5% today. All right, so, so this was yesterday, midday, when the stock was getting hammered. Uh, I, I did the quick math in it. Uh, stock was getting killed on guidance, Okay. The, 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 the company announced, announced pretty poor guidance. Uh, stock got smoked on it. It was down 25% when I was looking at it intraday yesterday. If you take that guidance that, that they gave us for the upcoming year, uh, it, it means that the stock was trading at about 5.3 times price-to-sales ratio. Again, if we want to talk about the S&P 500 average, let's say that it's 4, 4.5, somewhere in that ballpark. Should PayPal be trading like the rest of the S&P 500, right? Think of all the companies, all the big industrial companies, your oil companies, your financials, et cetera, that that are in the S&P 500. Should PayPal be trading there? It's got got pretty nice margins. Revenue growth is great. Uh, And again, just like we talked about with with Netflix, just like we talked about with Facebook, it gave up two years of price appreciation. Uh, I'm going to click us back over to the chart now. So, so the reason why I don't have the position yet is for the same reason why I said I don't have the position in Facebook yet, which is that I want to see a couple green candles here, right? When when the bleeding starts, who knows when 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 the bleeding is going to stop? Um, so I I could have bought it yesterday. I chose not to. We're down to another five percent today. Uh, if we rally into the close, maybe that's my time to get in. Otherwise, I'm sitting in my hands and I'm going to look at it, wait to look at it again tomorrow. We're at low of the day today. 
I'm not trying to buy at low of the day. Again, when the, when the bleeding starts, you don't know where it's going to stop. Um, and this stock is right at or right below, uh, you know, that five times price to sales. And Shelly's calling it. I, I've definitely been been a dipper. I've definitely been a buy the dipper. Baba is another one. Have leaps in Baba. Still feel good about the Baba leaps. And um, we're going to see Baba move tonight off Amazon's earnings, I predict. That, that's very fair. Very, very um, Someone asked about Amazon earnings plays today. We can look at some. So uh, this is what I did with Google. Wait, can I ask about this one? So, 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 so that's the quick pitch, right? I could talk about PayPal all day, but that's the quick pitch on PayPal. Again, not in it yet, waiting for some of the bleeding to stop. But if you guys like PayPal at this level, at 125, throw the one in the chat. If not, throw the two. Curious where everyone's at on this one. And, and then, sorry, Abe, you're, you're about to dig into Amazon earnings. Well, so so before Google's earnings, we were talking about how to play it, and I did some call debit spreads, and I like doing the spreads when the stock is very expensive. Um, so something with Amazon, I'll, I'll, we'll take a look at some spreads later in the show, but I also think playing Baba uh, is a great way to play Amazon's earnings because, you, you know, at least for the e-commerce shipping part of it, right, if, if Amazon reports great numbers on that side, Baba will probably move up. If it's underwhelming, Baba will move down. Uh, the AWS side, which is, is a growing and growing part of Amazon's business, obviously not as relatable strictly to Baba, although they are doing some things kind of similar there. But um, that could be a little way of a cheaper way to play Amazon's earnings with, with the stock being so expensive. Yeah, and and I like a lot. So this is a two-day chart that we're looking at right now. So it's a full full session pre-market through, through regular hours and then after hours. Uh, and, and then pre-market and, and regular session today of Amazon. I love that the stock is down 6.5% into earnings. Yeah, the first thing that Luke... Thank God. The first thing that Luke said to me we yesterday when I asked him about, or I, I told him, I said, I'm YOLO in uh, Facebook calls. He said, is the stock up or down today? So I don't know what your thesis is there, if the stock is up or down, if that has any indication. Well, uh, like, like I was just saying, anybody who's buying any of these stocks into earnings right now, any of these higher-flying tech stocks has got a stomach of steel. Because these are not five, eight percent moves. I mean, these are twenty-five percent moves over and over and over and over again. Um, you know, like I'm glad now that it seems like the market is pricing in some of that ahead of the earnings report. So even if they come in line, maybe we get a nice little rally out of the trade. All right, Luke. I got one more stock I want to look at on Benzinga Pro real quick. All right, hit me. Array Technologies ticker A R R Y. Right. And this is a, a, a stock that if, if you know, you've been watching us for a while, I made a lot of money off this, playing this off of, uh, you know, it kind of bottomed out at like $13 over the summer and then ran all the way up to 20, ran up to 27 bucks and is now down to $9. Um, yeah, so, so this, what this company does is they have patents on the technology of solar panels that can help the solar panels optimize uh, their retention of energy from the sun so they'll, they'll essentially move the solar panels around till they're like facing the light and cool. any major solar panel uh, manufacturer provider uses array technology like behind the scenes um, so it's a solar play but what i'm looking at is just from a from a value perspective the market cap right now is like one and a half billion the company did 800 million in revenue last year i mean i don't know how that checks out like i must be missing something for the company to, to do that much revenue in a year and for the market cap to, to be less than two times the revenue of the company in a single year. I, I like I looked at, I was looking at this and I was like, I gotta be missing something. Like something's not adding up here. Otherwise this is like an easy deep value play. So so I'm looking at cash from from operations right now. 
They they burned. So yeah. So so I agree, right? Th those headline numbers look good. The next step for me when I'm when I'm looking at these stocks is then I look at cash. Um, so so cash from operating last last quarter, thirty one million dollars lost, ninety one for negative forty two gain of a hundred. Oh man, that's bouncy. Yeah, and, uh, and and their and their revenue numbers and quarters are weird because they have a lot of like government contracts that will come in like one so quarter why. for like a year. Then so so the numbers can look a little weird when you're looking at the quarter over quarter. So I was going annualized and I was just like looking at the revenue growth over the last three years. Yes, the company's spending a lot of money, but a lot of these companies that are in early stages um, tend to do that before they ever see a return. So and and this just took away one of my big risks. So check this out. The number that I've highlighted on the screen right here is is cash on the balance sheet per the last earnings report, hundred and sixteen million. It was down to seventeen million before that. So so my initial thought, producer AB, and why I was looking at the cash flow was maybe there's a cash issue and they're going to have to do some dilution, right? And and maybe that's being priced into the stock right now. Uh, but but the fact that they already went through that and they should have ample cash. If we're talking about they're burning thirty forty million dollars a quarter, that should give them ample cash for at least some period of time. It's not crazy. It's not like they have a four-year runway, but, but you know, at least a decent period of time. Um, this could be interesting at first glance. I, 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 don't, I don't know more about the business than what you just talked about and what the numbers just showed. Yeah, me. and Talk To Me Goose just laid out what the company does in a little bit um, more articulate terms than I did. They make a, a photoelectric sensor that optimizes the panel's angle toward the sun. Again, basically every major... Um, solar company is using array so you have that growth aspect you have potentially the value aspect that's why i wanted to bring it up with lucas because he's better than i when when digging into those numbers um seeing any glaring weaknesses or strengths um but all right let's move on leslie's pools lucas yeah, saw, is an saw, old favorite so saw, saw someone in the chat talk about this one um idea for the idea for this stock i i do like this one uh idea for it is that valuation is fine not i don't think there's a ton of valuation risk uh, we, we had some really big storms that could give them a, a spike higher in, in a quarter. Um, and then we have the, the Ted Cruz classic coming up, uh, which is Texas is maybe going to freeze. Well, he's headed over to Cancun. Um, <laughs> I, sorry, I just had to make Spencer Israel laugh. I think it's fine that he went on vacation. Everybody needs to go on vacation. But, but Spencer Israel is nagging me now. Um, but, but you do have that upside surprise there for the Texas storms as well. I don't know when those are supposed to hit. I think it's within the next week or two. Um, but I, I do sort of like Leslie's as, as a play into earnings. It's just scary to hit anything into earnings right now. So again, it's not five, 8% moves we're talking about. These are 25% moves. Yeah. And depending on how you're trading or investing, you almost want some of these names. Like I would almost love to see Amazon come down further so that I can scoop up some, um, some shares or at least some partial shares for Amazon for the long term. But again, if you, if you, if you're scared, if you have a uneasy stomach trading, some of these stocks and earnings, just wait. There is nothing wrong with, with with saving some cash on the sideline, waiting until some of these companies report, seeing how the overall markets will react. Because I, I think there are some things to uh, you know that potentially we could see another ten percent drawback in the overall markets. But you know, could we be back at all time highs in a month or so? Sure, I don't know. I don't think any of us know for sure. But um, yeah, some good deals out there. But you got to be careful. Mm -hmm. All right, time to wrap, Spence. Yeah, uh, someone in the chat was asking about if, if they can download Benzinga Pro to their PC. It's all browser-based, so that's one of the best parts. You don't need to download anything. Uh, again, free free two-week trial. I'll drop that link in again. No credit card needed. No reason not to sign up.
Oh, Luke, the Texas Storms are hitting today. Someone in the chat said. Let's go. So if we want to play Leslie's, we gotta we gotta do it today. We gotta do it soon. What's going on here, Aaron? Going on? Yeah. Waiting for uh Yeah. We got Vivi here, right? Oh yeah, let's go ahead. <laughs> Did you forget? Well, I was waiting for you to come back on, Spencer. Oh, oh my god. All right. I'm sorry, Vivi. These it, people If that, you guys are here for biotech stocks, we've got the best we've got the best person to talk to about biotech stocks. Uh, Vivi Biotech Queen. You can find her on Twitter. I'll go ahead and drop her link in there. Um, but without further ado, let's go ahead and play our special intro. Bring Vivi on. Vivi, how are you doing today? Um, cold. I know it's not that cold. It's some. Um, oh. San Diego, but my house is so freezing today. So I, I have my sweater. I'm all like bundled up. Can you see oh, behind us? There's snow on. There's snow outside. Can you see that? Oh behind yeah, us? I can see that. Yeah. So yeah. so Vivi, first boo thing, freaking who? First things first. Sorry for uh the delay getting you on today. I know we had a lot of people in the chat waiting for you. A lot of people excited for us to bring you on. Um, so that was first things first, but second things second. Did you trade Facebook puts into earnings yesterday? I did. <gasps> oh, oh, we gotta talk. We gotta talk about this before we get to biotech. I, I gotta. I I when it was three thirty, I got a two sixty puts for seventy five cents, and I only wow. got five calls. I don't know why. I usually it was three hundred seventy five dollar bet. I usually gamble with a thousand i don't know why so my buddy got 50 calls so he spent 3500 made it 249 000. i spent he made 249 thousand dollars out of a 3500 and uh i made it 10 000. um like when i closed my I, I i when i saw it going down and like with that first green candle i sold i could have like even made more but i made 10 grand out of 365 bucks so who, right. who's 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 this uh who's this friend? He had just alerted you, hey, I'm buying these Facebook puts. Yes, he you know, we trade together, you know, we do live trading together on a voice, and he's like, I'm grabbing this as a loto, you know, but he has a much bigger account than me. You know, his loto was 50 calls and $249,000 later, it's just nuts. And I'm like, I'm always like, I could have like, I could afford 30 calls, you know, even 40 calls. And I don't know why. I yeah, it's always, that. it's always easier in hindsight. Did you say you had some, some lotto calls too? No, put, puts, just puts, I'm sorry. Do you, had, you only had puts, okay. Yeah, I only have, I only had a puts. Um, it was because it was 75 cents, not because we believed that was gonna go that further. It, it was a completely luck, completely luck. Yeah. I mean, it's always fun when it's always fun when you hit those. Um, you got to let us know next time. You got to text me. Two thousand percent. It went crazy. Yes, I'll text I know. You. And right. then, um, you know, I saw you guys segment on Facebook. I would be leery. Uh, you know, uh, Trump Truth Network's gonna come, and I believe they're gonna take a huge chunk of business from Facebook. They will. I mean, I, I feel like. Facebook is so biased to 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 uh, the left that a lot of people, a lot of friends that I know that they're um, they're 
conservatives said that they're all moving over to Vivi, the the highest the largest facebook groups on the largest groups on facebook are all conservative platforms yeah i mean so you i mean i i don't know i mean i had a friends also that bought 300 calls for march and made a 50 percent on their premiums and sold today you know they just kind of played the bounce so i'm expecting i want to play the bounce on amazon if that goes down for sure yeah um it's the 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 put the put and calls ratio is pretty uh, equal on an Amazon. So a lot of I have a lot of friends buying doing a spread. You know they're buying a put and buying a call. You know so they're doing spread on Amazon. Hopefully, yeah, and if you would if you would if you would have done that yesterday on Facebook, if you would have bought some way out of the money calls and way out of the money puts, you would have made a lot of money because the. Uh, I mean, the, the move that ended that we got, the 20% move, was so much more than the expected move that the put contracts, the money you would have made on the put contracts would have far outweighed the money you would have lost on the call contracts. So that's always a way you can play earnings if, you, if you're all you're looking for is a very volatile move to one side or the other. Um, so, yeah, j- just throwing that out there. Uh, but, but moving on from, from Facebook, Vivi. Let's get to some and, and I was going to say sucks because, you know, when you have those like college kids, like they don't they can't afford spending three hundred and seventy five dollars. Ryan, a lot. But think about right. it like if just a kid put three hundred dollars on Facebook, they would be ten thousand dollars richer. You know? Yeah. But those well, that's are actually all- how I that's actually how I started trading options while I was in college. And I, I did it with all, uh, you know, eight hundred dollars from my checking account. I was working like a minimum wage job at, at a golf course at the time. And. Um, I was able to turn $800 into 10 grand and I was instantly hooked. Uh, I ended up losing a lot of that 10 grand <laughs> subsequently. Yeah, Kevin yeah. in the chat knows knows what's up. He turned 400 bucks into 12,000. So it is possible. And uh, I, there are a lot of college kids out there that probably do have 350 bucks uh, laying around that. And, but, and, but I also, if that's all the money you had to trade, I wouldn't recommend doing one yeah, lot so of YOLO I made with it. 10 grand today and I'm losing 10 grand tomorrow. Like I know spy's gonna hit, but I thought, you know, I bought four weeks ago and I thought this was the week that we we're going to get to that four, 420 and we didn't. And I, you know, my, my puts are expiring worthless. So that's the, the beauty of, uh, options. You get burned or you make a lot of money. It's like, now I'm like completely even out on my gain and loss, which is sucks. I still do believe though, um, that we're going to have the correction and we're going to go to that 390 level, but when? I don't know when, you know, so that's the problem with the, with the options for sure. Yep. Um, all right. We're all here. You're here because we all want to talk some biotech. Do you have any interesting names on your radar? I, I do. Or- I want to talk to you guys about one thing. That, one one uh, that I think is it's gonna be it's it's the the price is so cheap. I mean they're all cheap, right? XBI is at ninety dollars right now. Um, you know from the highest of like one eighty, I think. So um, everything is. It's, we talked about last week, everything is on sale at a 40, 50, 60% rate. Um, with the three to seven interest rate hikes, the problem with these companies is that if they don't have a lot of uh, cash flow um, and they're not producing revenue, they're going to have a harder time to borrow money, right? So I feel like this, all these uh, companies are going to kind of a, have a hard time um, staying afloat. But I want to talk to you guys about... I think like in terms of like upside potential, I think the Gritstone uh, Pharma, so GRTS, and, and I'll tell you guys the reasons why I think this is a good 
um, is a good investment. Uh, can you guys put it up the chart? Yep, pulling yeah. it up right now. Yes. Well, I'm trying to, my. You got it? Yeah, that's your chart, my man. So Here it's GRTS. There you go. So imagine this. Look at the look at what, how much they were before. Um, they had uh, some uh, good results on their vaccine, but for some reason, the streets didn't like it and sold the news. Um, you know that that last that last up was like twelve or fourteen bucks. And here's here's why I think this company. Oh, first of all, the market cap now is only at three hundred fifty million, and this company has in cash in hand two hundred twenty-five million. <laughs> you know, like you're almost a trading at a cash value. But here's the things that I think that they are po poisoned to dominate the um, mRNA market. They um, they have a partnership with Gilead. Okay, for a vaccine platform for curing HIV, Gilead has already paid uh, 30 million upfront and uh, bought 35 million in stock at 11 bucks. So that says a lot. I mean, I'm sorry, Gilead is my whole company. That was a bad investment, right? But yeah. not, you know, only short term. So, and then Greystone uh, Bio recently uh, completed a 55 million pipe uh, with leading life science investors, Fraser Life Science, Red Mill Group, and Gilead. So they, they had that, that private, um, you know, um, offering. And then they also announced uh, a groundbreak early stage clinical data, ASMO, uh, from their immunotherapy program, the Granite, which I think that's going to be huge. Uh, this Granite program is very promising. And they have, you know, obviously uh, a multiple ongoing trials evaluating the self-amplifying mRNA as a next generation vaccine technology to combat COVID-19. So they do have, uh, you know, a more efficient that it kind of a, uh, takes care of all the, uh, you know, all the virants, which we know that uh, Omicron has been a very hard one to combat. People are just, all my friends vaccinated got uh, Omicron. And then um, their burning rate is uh, the last quarter was a 27 million. So um, they still have a seven quarter. So they, they really good until 2023. So I feel like uh, it's a good, it's a, even as a, as a good, like long-term, you know, like six to a year swing, I think it would be a really good, uh, this company, I believe it would be a huge company one day. So I just, I have a set of forget it on my on my um, fidelity account on my IRA, so that would be so a my, one. My only question for Gritstone is, I mean, um, you know, looking at it, it, it says it's engaging in developing personalized cancer immunotherapies. Uh, to fight multiple cancer types and infectious diseases. But yeah. it sounds like a lot of this, you know, maybe kind of down the road forward looking does does Gritstone have any drugs on the market right now? So he, he, I, I would have, if I had it to do, I mean, if you want to tuck in and, 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 you know, start accumulating for long term, you know, like on your long term account, yes. But they do have some catalysts, I think, in Q2. So if you want to play um, catalyst, they're going to have something until they run out of money. So you have a, what, seven quarters to make some money in short term and off their catalyst. So that would be if you just want to swing it. You know, but for me, I the granite, it, the, the potential of this pipeline is enormous. So I am holding long term. I feel like it's one of my my lotto bios that I, I tuck in. But I know what you're saying. You know, like a lot of these companies, they, they you need to have enough 
capital. So if you guys want to put ADADP, it's ridiculous the amount of uh, they 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 have a money all the way to 2023. Genentech has an agreement with them up to 3.7 billion dollars, and uh, look at their stock right now. So it's so cheap. It's also a stock that I believe will be. Uh, um, you know, a, a multi-bagger one day, but everything is being beaten down, you know, but they have enough cash. So, which is a good thing, you know, because you don't want to put any money in biotechs right now that don't have enough cash because they're going to have a harder time to borrow cash as well, you know, and, and these companies, everything is going to cost more. There's inflation, right? So these companies are just going to spend money like left and right. So that's why you either want to stay with companies like PCRX that it's been, you know, it's producing revenues um, than uh, companies like Gridstone Pharma. But any company right now, if they have enough cash to last a year, it's a good swing if they have a catalyst coming up. If you, if you guys, you know, if you guys know what I mean, you know, they're yeah. just catalyst and they have enough money. So I think the most important crucial time right now is look at the calendar of the company, look at the financial, uh, you know, the financial, uh, the corporate presentation and see how much cash they have left. You know, if they have enough cash in a year from now and they have a good catalyst coming, it's a, it's a good, you know, it's, it's, it's a good swing. But right now everything, you know, it's 50, 60% uh, at a, at a discount. So anything that you kind of, you throw your dart at the wall, you're probably going to get a 20% increase. You know, it's like uh, it's like shooting darts on the wall and like shoot it. You, you make 20% in any kind of biotech you're getting that has some some good catalysts on, on the horizon. Uh, Vivian, we got some questions in the chat. Well, actually, no, we had a bunch of stuff from last week. Did you write yeah, no, so I, yeah. Well, here's what okay. happened. I, I had a hard time finding the show and you guys are supposed to mail me. I mean, if somebody in anybody in chat has a question, I can just pull it up really quick here and kind of a wing it. But I couldn't figure out what the tickers that they were asking because I, I wrote it down. I couldn't find my, my notes. So I'm sorry, you guys. But do we have anything on the chat that people are asking? Yeah, yeah, we do right now. Someone asked about... Um... Uh, uh, was it Beam? Is that what they asked about? B E A M, I think. Hold on, let's go. Uh, let's scroll. It was sorry. Yeah, it was Beam. B E A M. Okay, so I've actually I've actually heard of that one. Yeah, heard yeah. of that one too. As sixty one dollars, it's it's not you know it's not your little small cap, you know. So um, I'm just checking here. Okay, so um, Oof. Oof. what are you what are you looking? I'm looking at the company's revenue because because I, I figured because it was the market cap's higher and because it's a sixty two dollars stock that yeah. the company's already bringing in revenue, but it's really not. So it's not uh, bringing any revenues at all, huh? No, not at all. Yeah, I mean that that's the that's your problem right there. You know uh, how these companies going to have to continue to do you know how much cash they have left though? Um, let's check. Well, it should it should say right there. If you if you go to the overview, it should say just cash on hand. You scroll down, you should see uh, keep going balance sheet. How much cash they got? Six hundred twelve million dollars. Yeah, right. that's not nothing. Not nothing, that's, but no, that's not a lot. Uh, so let me. I mean, just less see. less than yeah. a million less than a million dollars of revenue. Um, it's not dire though. No, I mean they've got cash total assets about one billion, but the market cap is. 
is four and a half billion almost. So it still seems a little bit expensive to me, but I, okay, I don't even so know. Okay, so what? A, he's my take on it. There's not a single, not a single um, um, pipeline above phase one and two. So we were like five, six, seven years from from having actual drug, you know. Yeah. So so that's the problem here, you know. They they only have INDs. I mean, there's not a single a single molecule that has start phase one and two. That's your answer right there. I would not touch it. Yeah, you know, someone I, in the chat saying someone in the chat saying Beam uh, signed a deal with Pfizer for for a one point three billion dollar deal. So I guess that's at least a, a good sign that the company's attracted the uh, attention of some of the bigger players out there. Yeah, like so Pfizer here has either, they have a three undisclosed targets from Pfizer. Yeah, so a lot of these companies they're gonna need partnerships right to survive. But the problem is, I told you guys, one of my rules is I don't invest. Uh, I I will swing uh, companies, or if they're really cheap. I'll buy, I'll start accumulating, like, you know, for example, ADAP, there's two very early stages, but I don't go like on a, on a sizable amount until I know that they can prove that they can make revenues like BCRX. I start very slow. I bought it right after offering it at 380. And then I start accumulating when I saw that they have a successful launch. So these companies, unless they get a, a miracle buyout, but no, no, no Pfizer, no drug is going to. Uh, take a risk of a buying a, a company on on a on not even on a phase one and two, you know. And so you, we don't even know preliminary data on these molecules. So yeah, the answer would be no for sure. Okay, I, I got to address this in the chat real quick. Tampa Bay Buckeyes asking about INO and Novio. Um, oh, so, so so this is one that I actually know something a little bit about. I uh, I mean this company. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this. It, it's like a total scam. This is this has been a mess. Total total this sham. So Inovio so Innovio basically to give you some context on this, um, this company when Zika was the thing came out and said like oh we have the the vi or the vaccine for Zika, did the same thing for Ebola, never brought oh, forth anything. This. Yeah, I remember this? You told me the story. Yeah, and then so I, I actually, when Anovio was being thrown around as a COVID name because they said the same thing with COVID, like, oh, we're working on the vaccine, we have this. I was like, oh, these guys, they're doing it again. Um, I bought puts on, I'm showing my history on Robinhood. Nice. I bought puts on, no, it wasn't nice because I was way too, I bought, I got, I bought puts uh. Uh, on March 4th, 2020. If I just would have had those $3 calls instead, I would have made like thousands of dollars off a $15 bet mm. um, because the stock went to like $30. But you I were, bought you puts. You were early. I, I was way oh, too early. And then I did, I did play it a little bit on the downside, like puts all the way down here. But I was very early identifying this stock as a, as a, as a complete okay, scam. Okay, but basically. He, he's, I want to be a, a little devil's advocate. I'm looking. Yeah. Unless, okay, unless it's, 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 they don't have to back out, which would be a sham. It says here that they are backed out on COVID by SEPI, by Bill uh, Bill Gates Foundation, and by the World Health Organization, okay, on their COVID. And then on infectious disease, they have a DARPA, they have NIH, which is a, a national infection. Um, the, 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 the NIH is, uh, is the vaccine uh, national, uh, I forgot what the NIH uh, stands for. And national DARPA. Yeah, na na uh, na uh, yeah, National Institution of Health. So, um, and then the Union Oncology, they do have one for a breast uh, for brain cancer. They have a regional partnership. So, 
And then when you look at it on more COVID, they have AstraZeneca partnership. The problem is a lot of these molecules are still very early on. I mean, if they have these uh, foundations and these organizations behind, it sounds legit. You know, but uh, right now for the COVID, they have uh, two phase threes that are back out by Bill and Gates and SAPI and uh, World Health Organization. Uh, but you I mean World Health Organization doesn't mean much, right? And when they back out also uh, the Ocugen vaccine and nothing happened. Yeah, but uh, uh, SAPI, it's, it's a big one. It's a government one, you know, that funding. And then, uh, yeah, so, but the problem is, it's cheap right now, right? How much money they have left and, and when are these catalysts are coming up? But didn't it go to $30 a share at one point? Yeah, and yeah. I mean, that, that, that's what I was showing right there is because I, no. you know, back here, or let's go all the way back here, one where COVID first hit, um, the stock, and, and actually what ended up happening, so the stock spiked because they said, oh yeah, we've got all this uh, good data, or we've got our vaccine that's underway. They even went straight to Trump while he was still in office and said, um, you know, like we're doing all this stuff. And then, you know, stock at as high as $30 came crashing down, currently back at around three and a half dollars. The shareholders, some shareholders actually got together to sue the company saying they misled uh, about how far along they were. Uh, they've got about $70 million of cash on hand right now. Um, so, so, I mean, some of the numbers don't look terrible, but I just think the company has a history of yeah. marketing itself as like, uh, this vaccine leader, we're, we're so far ahead of the, you know, in the Ebola, in the Ebola case, in the Zika case. And then they did the same exact thing with COVID. I mean, the writing was kind of on the wall. So, um, again, yeah, I, I know, know what you mean. Like the Zika, he says phase one, that, that is nothing, you know? Uh, so well, that was what, like 10 years ago, you know, like, yeah. Uh, so I feel like, geez, maybe we should buy call leaps three years out <laughs> but i i feel like it, they're just good at marketing themselves and i'm telling you a lot of companies are good about throwing prs you know so they kind of like made it they kind of fluff it up their pr and you know they're a hundred percent and then it came back to bite them because they, they ended up getting sued by the shareholders but i'm just kicking myself because i mean march 4th 2020 that was like before COVID was even a thing i was already buying puts on it saying you guys are are a scam i was way too you early were right but you yeah. were early right but it didn't matter. didn't matter i was right puts like leaps well or if i would have bought calls saying okay i know this company's gonna say they're gonna do it people are gonna buy it and then use the money from the calls to buy puts all right I keep seeing Jay Rose bring up ARDX. I know we've talked about that one before, oh so let's check it, check in on that one. And then this ARDX, will have to be- ARDX, it's the biggest uh, FDM scam ever, you know? So, um, <laughs> I, I mean, seriously, guys, I mean, there was three studies confirming efficacy, you know, um, that all like double-blind placebo-controlled studies. There was a whole sales force. There was a whole company. And, you know, these people livelihood and these patients got robbed away from it, you know, like, yeah. and, and they say that the competition of which I think it's a no fee. One of those competitions had a, somebody that worked at FDA now works for them. And that was trying to squish this company and put them out of business. So what I understand is they, they are, um, that molecule is also a pro, approved for IBS. And they're um, they're expecting that it's gonna be a, a good launch and a good product. So uh, when I was talking about valuation, uh, they were saying that that company is at least worth three dollars a share. You know, so from the seventy cents now just for that one product.
only, you know, but obviously they were trying to get the approval for the kidney disease. And I don't know, um, I just, I have a post-traumatic disorder, PTSD, it just, I like I went the, the first time I tried to go all in buy 10,000 shares for Pedufa. I mean, I had a friends working there. Everyone was like ready, like training, all ready to like to start selling, you know, like three weeks later and the whole company got decimated. So it's like, I, I, I don't know. I think that still there's an upside for their products, but who knows when the other proof is going to be. And like I said, I apologize if I gave you guys that I lost more or as much money as you guys or even more, because for me, it was a slam dunk. Three really good clinical trials. I talked to nephrologists that were really excited for this drug and look what happened. So it's so unpredictable. I mean, look at the Biogen. Biogen got approved for that shitty drug. They just post a million dollars in revenue for one quarter, which is nothing. You know, they're struggling. Doctors are kicking reps out because they don't want the reps to come and promote that drug that doesn't even have an efficacy. So it's just such wow. a, a, a it, it, it's such a, 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 a Russian roulette now these days for the for, yeah. for the doofas, You know, right. you can have a really good drug and then completely be shut down so all right vivi we, we gotta let you go here uh vivi the bio queen joins us every thursday to talk biotech stocks vivi have a good rest of your day we'll talk to you next week yeah stay, can you stay, guys, stay warm have, if you guys have a more tickets just email me stay warm vivi please okay you guys take care you stay warm i'm it's sunny 66 here all right take care all right. Uh, hey, it is one o'clock. Uh, before we go to our next guest, I have a couple of uh, announcements I want to make. Announcement number one, if you are like me and you are interested in the cannabis space, you either have some stocks that you own, uh, some ETFs that you own, or you are interested in investing in cannabis, uh, the biggest thing, the only thing that really matters right now is legalization when 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 uh if you have followed benzinga for a little while you know that benzinga was really really early on uh on covering the cannabis investing in the cannabis business space we've been covering cannabis investing for like seven or eight years now we have a lot of very high level contacts and relationships throughout the industry uh as such on Cannabis Insider today. It's our, it's our Tuesday, Thursday show at four o'clock. We have a special panel. We have convened a panel of experts, and they're going to talk about legalization uh, this year. What's going to happen? When is it going to happen? These are the. This is the only thing that matters. I own four cannabis stocks. I own True Leaf. I own Green Thumb. I own Cresco, and I own. Um, Oh shit! What's the other one? True Leaf, Cresco, Curleaf. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Curleaf, True Leaf, Cresco, Green Thumb. I always forget one of them. Um, I own four U.S. cannabis stocks. Legalization is the biggest thing right now. What's gonna happen? Legalization's so hot right now. It's so hot right now. Today at four o'clock, we have convened a uh, crackpot panel (pun intended) of experts that are going to talk about this very thing. So after at the close today, 4 p.m. Eastern time, right here on youtube.com slash Benzinga. Uh, we have literally, uh, like, we, we know all the big people, all the right people throughout the space. We've been covering it for 
as I said, like seven or eight years now. So if you have questions about cannabis, about the future of cannabis uh, in the U.S., what's going to happen with the law, ask it on the on Cannabis Insider today at 4 o'clock. I want to put that out there. Uh, second thing I want to add is I see one of our next guests here. I don't see both of them, though. Stephen, can you just hit Dan up for me real fast and see if he um, forgot about us? Uh, Aaron, I had a, uh, a tweet go, like, mini viral. I, I saw. I liked it. Oh, thank you. I didn't know. I didn't realize. I thought it was funny. Thank you. I, I had a. I was always like kind of in tears, though, because I had those Facebook calls. <laughs> uh, but I, I still thought it was funny. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, for me, it was. I had like five, 400, 500 likes. Oh, I liked me. it early then. I liked it. I, I was like, I think the 105th like. And I was like, oh, 100 likes, Spencer. Nice. No, no. No, anytime I, you're talking in like the multiple hundreds of likes on a tweet. We're, we're at 591 <laughs> likes right now. That's, 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 mini, yeah. that's mini viral for Frick me. Yeah, yeah. You're like I, a little micro celebrity. I'm I'm basically an influencer. Where's my blue check mark? Did I tell you when we were down in Orlando for the for the FinSwit conference? I had like I had someone come up to me and they were like, "Oh, I, I watch you on TV all the time." And I was like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, it was weird." Wait, anyway, I mean that was the only place I was ever going to get recognized was like at a FinSwit conference. We but. we um we're putting on. I don't know how much I'm allowed to say right now, but we are hosting a. Uh, a an in-person conference in Vegas in June, uh, like Benzinga is at like a trading event. I imagine we we will be there, Aaron. I um, hope so. That I, mean, the, I imagine we'll get recognized there as well. Uh, I don't have any more details other than June in Vegas. So, uh, and I know it's early June. That's all I know though. So I'll we'll announce more as that gets closer. Um, anyway. Uh, let's do this. Uh, we have a weekly recurring segment on this show uh, with um, a couple of guys from Trade Zero all about short selling. If you have a question about uh, shorting, uh, how to short, when to short, uh, what to short, well, we can't tell you what to short. We can only give you our opinion. Uh, our next guest can, can address that. Uh, Dan Pipitone is the CEO of Trade Zero and Steven Johnson is an independent trader who uses the platform. So let's bring those guys on right now for our recurring segment, Zero Hassle Short Selling with Trade Zero. Hey, what's up, boys? How are we doing? What's going on, fellas? How, that how intro is it? gets me excited every time, I got to say. The intro, it's awesome. the, the, intro, the intro gets you amped every time. That's great to hear. It's great to hear. Steven, you're on mute, man. Can't hear you. Yeah, I just have one quick question before we get started. I heard the yeah. biotech lady. I was watching a little bit about what you said. The biotech woman yeah. was swearing a little bit. Are we allowed to swear on you? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let, let, let's just keep it. Let's just like not go overboard, all right? Yeah, yeah, no worries. <laughs> yeah, all right. Okay, so well, uh, when we started doing this segment, guys, I feel like the market was in a very different place to where oh, it is man. right now. Um, so what I really want to know is, uh, I guess, Stephen, we'll start with you, and then I want to go over to Dan, is like, what have the past few weeks been like for you? Um, yeah, it's, um, it's been, it's been really, it's been really, I mean, the last, the, the final months of the year and the, and the start of this year have, have been really tough. I know a lot of traders have been like sizing right down. Um, but for me, it's, if, if you can adapt to the market, it's been okay. It's for me, it's been just waiting for the right opportunities and, and finding other stuff to do sometimes. Like, so for example, I'll put more time into work and our fitness or running rather than staring at the market in case I 
take a compromise setup that's not as good because there aren't as many. So can why aren't there as many setups for you right now? I'm like, I'm just trying to understand. It's, it's I mean like I don't know the macro big picture as well as a lot of people. I literally look at what's up on the scans uh, day in day yeah. out. But but basically the SBYs, it's not been falling apart. But we, we saw the trend rate. We saw we saw four or five big red days. And as four four to five stocks follow the market, a lot of a lot of stocks have followed the SPY and the drop. And when things are going down, there's just generally a bit less volatility in the small cap land. It's what I've seen historically. And that's what, and, and you are, you're a small caps guy. Yeah, I'm a small cap yeah. guy. I'm a small guy. So, uh, yes. Interestingly, guys, Spencer, if I could, you know, I was on the phone yeah. uh, this morning with uh, two of our major uh, stock loan providers, locate providers. And yeah. it's, it's really a crazy dynamic because, you know, you would think the month of January, I mean, we didn't volatility. We had extreme volatility. Yeah. And and I think to the point where, to Stephen's point, I think kind of people kind of sitting on the sidelines more in fear for getting caught, right? And these wild swings that go back and forth. I mean, listen, you would think intuitively th these are golden opportunities, and they are if you're on the right side. But I think the wildness and the and the extreme nature of the swings, I think really kind of kept people on the sidelines. Um, and we were, we were kind of comparing notes where, you know, January was, you would think, super volatile month. Why was it kind of slow in terms of uh, the uptake and, and, and the volume, especially on the short side? But just, just one thing to quickly add as well. Like, it's not so bad if you're a short seller because stuff's going down, right? So, like, stuff's going down and as a short seller, you bet on things going down. So, it's not so bad as a short seller. But if you're long and listed stocks, if you're a listed long, it's a, it's a terrible time. It's a terrible time. Wait, what do you opinion. mean by what, what do you mean by listed long? Like if you're long in like Nasdaq stocks or New York Stock Exchange okay. stocks, if you're trying to buy them on the way up, I mean, I yeah. think I think it's a bloodbath, honestly. Well, look at today. I mean, you know, if there were ever were a time to uh, to to you know that was more apropos to talk about, forget about short selling as a strategy, but more to have it as a tool in your tool belt, right? If you're looking at it right now and you just you know. Look, praying for that entry point of when, uh, you know, when do you think it's going to turn around? It's nice to have the ability to say, you know what? It's not turning. You know, the day started with the, the stock down about $65. We're now down about 80, you know, so to just have that ability uh, and an easy way to get into these things uh, on the short side is very important to have in, in your, in your repertoire in your short, in your, in your trading yeah. program, uh, you know, having the ability to do that. I, I want to put it out there again uh, to the audience. Uh, Dan Pipitone is is the CEO of a of a of a broker dealer. Uh, if you have a question about what happens behind the scenes when you short a stock, when you go to find a locate, he can answer it. This is your time. This is your time. Ask Dan your question, right? Because he's the guy that understands the pipes, right? Well, what happens when you go to to, to, to sell a stock and uh, you can't find a locate or you get a locate or you don't get filled. And he knows all that stuff. He knows all that stuff. So ask him, uh, made in India, when will Trade Zero have an API? That's an off-topic question, but I guess Dan could speak to that as well. <laughs> uh, trading API is in the works. Um, okay. That would be the first. Market data is not something we're doing. It's very expensive to take in market data over an API, but a trading API will be available uh, probably this quarter. 
There, I hope you're. I hope you're happy, Made in India. I have no idea who that is. Just kidding. I I do know who that is. Uh, okay, so guys, uh, bringing it back to the, the the overall market and and Dan. So you were you were having that conversation with one of your uh, locate providers, and I again the assumption is January was oh it was yeah. a really tough month. Well, it was a really really good end of the month, but really tough three and a half weeks before that. I'm just curious, like what did you see on the platform as far as activity? Did anything reflect? the market volatility? You no, know, I, I think just like every other year, uh, it's kind of like, you know, New Year's Day and then, you know, you, 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 you're driving along and you're looking outside and you see, you know, a, a gym and a whole bunch of people are lined out because it's New Year's Day. Everyone's got yeah. this new rededication to getting in shape. You know, drive by there January 10th, maybe not so much. We, yeah. we see that every year. Coming out of December, coming out of the holidays, coming out of a time that's traditionally like slow and, and people are just not focused on the markets. The beginning of January, we usually have a surge, and and this mm. year was, was 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 very in line with that. However, you know, as the month progressed and the volatility took hold, uh, I think kind of people shied away and, and and stood more on the sidelines. So January was a very interesting month, very non-traditional month. We talked last time about some of the seasonality in this business, um, yeah. and you know, January is usually one of those sort of bounce-back months. You have some slowness in December. Uh, but that's not something that we really saw uh, this January. Um, okay, a couple more questions for you, Dan, in the chat, and then I want to keep Steven involved as well. Elon wants to know, I don't know if it's Elon Musk or not, but he wants to, uh, to know where in South America, where in South America is Trade Zero available or not available? I know, Steven, you're in South America. Shouldn't you know this as well? Uh, true that. I, I think it is. It, I've got a couple of friends who trade from South America, but my account's from England because that's where I settled. Oh, okay. So. All right. But we're, 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 we're good to go in all of South America. We have actually two broker dealers with, with a Canadian broker dealer coming online uh, very shortly. Uh, one here in the U.S. where I sit in that office. We have one in Nassau. That allows us a gateway to uh, countries outside of the U.S. and Canada. So if you're someone in, in South America, Spanish-speaking, Portuguese-speaking countries, uh, we're happy to onboard you. We do have a significant uh, client base uh, trading uh, from South America. Just, just one thing to touch on. Uh, one, one observation yeah. from living in South America. You, there's some extremely uh, educated, like a lot of people in South America, are very educated, very intelligent, very smart. But uh, due to the economy, a lot of people don't have the opportunity to earn as much as they could. Say, for example, in the states, and that's one thing where trading really interests me because if you're trading with like a six, seven hundred dollar account. There's no obstacle to how much you earn based on the amount of dedication you put in. You, your pay reflects on how hard you work. And, and I think it's it's just an interesting thing because a lot of people in some of these countries, they don't, they don't, they, they can't make as, as much as they should be with the talent, if that makes sense. And trading kind of democratizes that in a way. Agreed. And to Stephen's point, the international offering that we have really is focused on providing those smaller accounts, not only with the access, but also the freedom of action to trade, you know, whenever they wanted. They're not limited like we are here in the States. Steven, we got a question that's right up your alley here. Uh, Annie wants to know, is it good to short? I see. I think it's the question. Is it good to short stocks with low volume? Like this is your specialty. Yeah, no, there's a, there's a number of uh, variables or indicators that I look for. And the more uh, variables that, that add up are the more indicators that add up that allow me to build a case. Say I've got seven short-based variables or indicators. If I've got all seven, then I've built a very comprehensive and and, and good case to to short the stock. Um, 
So, for example, if a stock's in a biotechnology sector, this, this, this sector doesn't often make money. They're researching drugs, um, and they, they need to constantly, uh, but they're not generating profit. So it might be a good company in 10 years when they make a drug, but it's not a good company now. So sometimes one indicator would be uh, the biotech sector. Another would be a big gap because it's already come a long way really fast. Like say overnight, a third would be low volume. So if it's made a big move, but it doesn't have the volume to sustain the move, um, and it's in a sector that doesn't have a promise in next month, next two months, next three months, next year, all of these are good, very good short indicators for me. Okay, so the bottom line is like you do look at volume, but you don't like Hugely. you're not you're not necessarily going to say just because the stock has low volume makes it a good or a bad idea to short it, right? It's it's the biggest indicator for me as it a is short the seller. Okay. It's the biggest okay. indicator, low volume. So, like, in, in, but in in what way? Like low volume is good or low volume is bad? I think I think um, I think most a lot of the market uh, is long biased. A lot of people don't really know about right. short selling until later on. So a lot of new people and a lot of people in the market are long biased. Um, so if, for me, a lot of volume is a lot of people buying. It's a lot of demand. If you have a lot of demand and the stock doesn't have much supply, it's a, it's a very bullish sign. It's very it, The stock can go higher. But if sure. there's not a lot of volume, that means there's not a lot of demand. If the stock's up a lot and there's not a lot of demand, but there's a lot of supply, it just means it's more likely to drop because there's no one to buy, to buy, to buy at the lower levels. Okay, so low volume to you is an indicator of that. One of the best. Be good short. Yeah, one, one of the best. Of the best. Okay. Um, Dan, this one's for you. Andy Y wants to know, hey, what's the deal with? I think he's it's Jerry Seinfeld. What's the deal with these dark pool orders? No, I'm just. But that's the, that, that's actually <laughs> that's actually the question. Can you? Andy's asking for some clarity on on dark pool orders. I don't sure. know specifically what he's asking, but he's asking you to explain them. Yeah, so there are what we call lit exchanges and there are what we call dark exchanges. The lit exchanges are those folks that you see if you're looking at a level two screen, you're going to see their prices, their sizes enunciated. You can see you know, yeah. what market participant is at what price, whereas the dark pools, uh, because of the way they're set up, are not obligated to display uh, you know, their order book essentially uh, in, on, on the displays that we can see. If you're trading with us... <clears throat> Many times, more often than not, you're going to see if a stock is, for example, 10 by 1001 and you look to buy a stock, uh, you know, you would, you would typically get filled to 1001. If you're going to sell the stock, you typically get filled to 10. And vast majority of the orders that pass through our system, we're actually scraping some of the dark liquidity that exists in between the bid and the ask. So many times in an, in an example of a stock by 10 by 1001, if you go to buy the stock, you're going to get filled to something like 10.00936, where what's happening is there is there are actually shares that are available in between the bid and the ask that we're going to scrape our way through in, into the ask price. So more often than not, you're going to get fills with liquidity that exists in between the bid and the ask that we can't see, but it's there. So dark pools, in my opinion, uh, add to the market. Uh, they provide folks with, with, with potentially better execution prices because there is liquidity that exists in between those whole pennies of the bid and the ask. The, within that answer was a mountain of, of things. Of, uh, I think there was a lot in there. Maybe I should have, before I asked, maybe I should have asked you to explain what a dark pull is first. Because I, 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 I don't want to assume anyone knows. Anything. It is a market participant yeah. that um, will post liquidity and remove liquidity, typically in between the spread. 
in between the ask price. Okay. okay. Um, the, there have been entire books written about dark pools. There's I mean, book, yeah, this is there's <laughs> a book called dark pools. I have it on my shelf. I haven't read it yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's on my list. So there have been, it, it, it is a complicated topic, but the bottom line that, that Dan just said is um, it's, even if you don't see it, 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 it factors into the, in, into the liquidity and, and what's available um, in the market, which I think is important to know that they're not just mysterious, ominous things that are correct. Just, and they're not, and they're not really sort of working against the retailer. There is pools of liquidity there where if your broker dealer is set up to interact with that, it's, it's going to be beneficial to you in terms of your execution quality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh, this is a great question from Daniel. The moment you short a stock, is it borrowed and immediately sold at the ask? Or does your broker try to get you to get you the best price between the bid and the ask for widespreads? This is worth considering. Great question, Daniel. So, can you repeat that, Spence? I, I brought it up on the screen. Oh, here. The, okay, moment, the moment you sort of yeah, I'll, I'll let you read it yourself. Okay. Great. So, the it, it depends, Daniel. It's a, it is a great question. So, there are two different facilities for ascertaining the ability to go short on a stock that is not easy to borrow. One is called a locate. So a locate is not a borrow. Locate is gives us a reasonable basis to believe that if you held the stock overnight where it turns from a sh from an intraday short sale into an overnight borrow, we have a reasonable basis to believe by nature of that locate that the, the, the firm in which we've located the shares at, they we have a reasonable basis to believe they will make delivery so that they will actually we will actually they will actually loan us the shares. That's different than a pre-borrow, where if you say, hey, I know I'm going to hold this stock short overnight. Um, I don't want to have a concern about being bought in, potentially, if you guys can't get a borrow. So you can interact with us and say, hey, through our live chat, soon to be added to the platform, and say, hey, guys, I'm looking to sh go short you know, 1,000 XYZ, and I think I'm going to hold it for a week. Can you get me a pre-borrow so that I know, come settlement, the day after the day after, I'm not going to get bought in. I've already gotten the shares. So there are two different dynamics. A short sale turns into a borrow once you hold it overnight. And if you know that that's what you're going to do, it's always advantageous to ping your broker and try and get a pre-borrow so that on settlement, which is trade date plus two days, you don't have the potential of being bought in if your firm or your clearing firm can't find that borrow. That, that is an admittedly low possibility though, right? It's totally stock dependent. It okay, really okay. is totally stock okay. dependent. So if you know, okay. it's always better to get a pre-borrow. Okay, that was a really great question. Really great question. Really, really great, great answer. Th th thank you for that. Again, Dan Papatone is the CEO of Trade Zero, and Stephen Johnson is a trader who shorts for 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 a living. Basically, is how he makes his living. Um, uh, okay, was there anything else, guys? This is more. Of, this is structured as more of just a casual Q and A segment. I really just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on on the last month. Um, do, do do either of you have any thoughts like going forward here, as as far as uh, uh, Stephen, like how you're approaching the market now, or Dan, like any new things that we can like look look ahead to as far as the platform. For me, all I'll say is that historically, over like the last ten years, small caps, although there might be and not, there might not be as many opportunities every day as as there has yeah. been in the past. Uh, historically, they've never stayed dead for long, so it's it's a matter of days, weeks before the market lights up again, and all of a sudden, the way I see it is, you've got a lot of people shorting a lot of stocks up ten percent, up fifteen percent, up twenty percent, 
one of these stocks is going to go 200%, not 20%. It's going to make a crazy run. A sector is going to light up and come on fire. And then the volatility of the market's going to return. So for me, it's just uh, just just not getting caught in that big runner and uh, and having the discipline to, to keep to keep my discipline and uh, and just get excited because it's it's not yeah. shouldn't be far off now. And I think you know from a macro level, as we see you know sort of this big tech story unfolding with a lot of these stocks really really coming back to earth. Uh, I don't think it's ever been more appropriate to have access to be able to short these things and participate on the downside. Uh, and just as a quick update in terms of functionality on the platform, uh, we are expecting a major um, a major update to the system as it relates to our short locate product. We're introducing something called request for bidding, which basically allows the trader to say, oh, I see that you guys are selling a locate at two and a half cents. I'm looking to come in and, 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 and short 5,000 shares. Will you sell it to me at one and a half? Uh, so we're, we're building this process out of sort of a name your own locate uh mm, functionality which uh we're expecting this month in february which which we're really excited about okay real, real fast from the chat uh there was questions about crypto and multi-leg options do you offer coming. coming 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 uh and then uh, uh this question from francis is more of a general question I, I i can answer this one how do you react to short reports uh Shoot first, ask questions later. Is probably, <laughs> is probably how you react to short reports. Uh, in all, in, no, in all seriousness, uh, it really just depends on. Hey, are you? Do you own the stock? And is it go, is it going down? Is it not going down? Do you want to own it? Do, or do you, you want to get short? I mean, these moves are pretty instantaneous sometimes. So you got to beat the machines, which is almost impossible. But uh, we, we can talk about that next time. Dan Pippetone, CEO of Trade Zero. Stephen Johnson is a trader uh, who shorts for a living and uses the platform. And again, the reason that we're doing this segment with these guys specifically is because Trade Zero. This is what the platform is is known for. It's it's their it's their it's a. It's a brokerage that is best for shorting, right? They won right. the Benzinga the Benzinga FinTech Award as best broker to short uh, for shorting. This is this is what they do. Two years, uh, in a row. two years running, two years in a row, two times, two That's times, two times. Dan, Stephen, have a great rest of the week. We'll talk nice. to you again next time. Be yeah, well, guys. Spencer. Thank you. Bye, guys. All right, all right. Uh, my co-pilot should be coming back to me. Uh, actually, he never left. I'm just kidding. Aaron Bree, where you at, my man? What up, what up? What up, what up? How are we doing? I'm good. I just heard you all uh, talking about a short report. Yeah, there was one this morning, actually. Really? Was it from our friend Edwin? Uh, no, uh, no, I didn't see that one. I was busy. I, I didn't see what his was going to be. I, I know, know I, I know. It, it came out at 1030. No, there was one. SLI, I think, was the ticker. So, okay, in all seriousness, Francis, I know you asked that question. Um, okay, so, like, let's go to a practical example right now. Because Francis asked about short reports, and there was one this morning. It was SLI was the ticker. So, so here, uh, let's just show you. It, the short answer, Francis, is it really just depends. Okay, so in this case, I'm going to look at SLI right now. Um, the the when did the report come out? It it, it came out pre market. It came out like at eight thirty in the morning. Like look at that giant red candle. Okay, that and let's go to a one minute chart actually. Let's, oh. Who did it? Edwin. Uh, Roblox. Okay, we'll talk about that after. Um, you you can see when the short report came out today. R that huge red candle. Okay, so this is eight. What, what is that? Eight thirty nine. Eight thirty nine in the morning. Okay, almost an hour before the market opens. Most people are not trading at eight thirty nine in the morning. All right, there is way less liquidity. So, 
the timing matters, okay? For the, for the vast majority of the market, the move was already over by the time they even had the chance to, put, to, to play ball here, okay? That's the first thing. The second thing is, who did the report? Well, in the case of SLI, it was Hindenburg. Um, I think the I think broadly speaking, the days of um, the glory days of short seller short selling is, is at least for the time being over. That being said, Hindenburg has uh, over the last couple of years probably become the one of, if not the most influential short seller on or short reporter on Wall Street. They shorted Nikola. Uh, they shorted. I'm blanking right now, but there was a really good profile of Hindenburg, and I think it was New York Magazine a couple weeks ago. I tweeted about it. Um, he, uh, they've been on fire. I mean, they're not always right, right? But they've been on fire the last uh, two to three years or so. So they have cachet. They have influence now. Their reports matter, as opposed to some random firm that you've never heard of. Hindenburg, people know them, okay? The the term, the, the headline Hindenburg releases short report that by itself has the power to move a stock as it did this morning. Okay, so that's the first, the second thing. First thing is timing. In this case, it's you know in the morning uh, before the opening bell. Unless you're trading pre-market, you really you can actually see here the stock is um, where did it open today. It opened at five ninety two. So we're only, we're only down what uh, twenty eight cents, uh, less than thirty cents from from the open. Most of the move is already priced in, so you kind of missed it, unfortunately. Uh, and then the other thing is obviously you should look at the report if you're interested and see is there any there there? Are they talking about um, are they talking about like are, are, are they nitpicking? Are they like I guess like how how legitimate are the are the accusations being levied against the company? Um, and you, you kind of have to use your your best judgment for that. The market will tell you. Because the market will, you know, if it's not a serious report, the market won't care at all. But um, I did not look at this report at all, so I don't know what it said. But the fact that it's Hindenburg alone makes it influential. So uh, Edwin, our friend Edwin, shorted Roblox. Is that what you said? He put a short report out on Roblox, and actually it looked like the stock moved off of it, <laughs> even though it's a... Uh... Oh, wait, I have one more thing to add, sorry. And this actually goes into Roblox. Standard, standard lithium, I put up a daily chart here, Okay. Look at the daily volume of this thing. This stock trades somewhere in the range of one to three million shares a day. It's not a super liquid stock. Now, compare that to Roblox. Look at the daily volume in Roblox. Uh, about 30 million shares a day. Way, way easier to move a stock like Standard Lithium, SLI, than it is to move a Roblox. Roblox is so widely traded, such a thick stock, the spreads are so tight that it is very difficult to, like Roblox is probably not gonna move off of any one short report. I see it's down today. Oh, you can actually see, oh, this is funny. You can see when anyone's short report hit, exactly. How do you know? Look at the big volume spike and the big red candle. So anyone did move the stock. Yeah. Look at Edwin. He moved it. Forget what I just said. A, a stock that big. I mean, a, a $40 billion stock. Um, Edwin's short report basically talks about how maybe some um, adult users ha have been using Roblox to interact inappropriately with children. What? Um, well, this, is I, why, this is why we can't have nice things, Aaron. 
Well, this so, is I, why I, we can't I don't have find nice it like that's. I mean, it's like when so, Facebook became a thing. It's like that seems to be just kind of a given with any platform that allows. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, like a given that happens when when a platform is given that allows um, certain uh, uh, you know adults to interact with children. There will be a certain number of them that will behave mm. inappropriately. The question is: Is Roblox doing enough to curb this to protect its users, Fantastic. which is mostly um, kids? So uh, I, I don't know. Again, I mean, it's it's not like I think this is entirely shocking. It's more just about what what is Roblox's response going to be amid yeah. these kind of claims you know it's like it's like uh there was a big kind of hit piece on airbnb where people talked about I remember that airbnb we, we talked about that yeah we talked yeah. about it, how airbnbs what they did to kind of try to hush hush quiet the like bad thing i mean talking yeah. about murders that happen inside of airbnbs it's yeah. like when you run a business like that those things inevitably will happen the question is what are you doing about it and the accusation against airbnb was essentially they haven't been doing enough um robox does have uh, apparently a team like dedicated to this to, to monitoring everything but yeah I mean if I had kids I'd be scared of them having Snapchat Roblox all oh, these platforms yeah. that allow um, adults to, to kind of try to prey upon them so uh, for sure it'll be interesting to see but yeah I mean kudos to Edwin for being able to kind of have this impact on on a 40 billion dollar stock like Roblox. We, should, we try to get Edwin on the show man we should I should do that um, okay um, we, yeah, we'll get we'll get Edmund on soon oh, for Roblox. Yeah, we should have had maybe we got a. But here's what I think is crazy about short reports, is it's completely legal to like curate all this information, put a short report together, yep. and then like also short the stock. Yes. Uh, granted, to actually move a stock like Edwin has, like you have to build up your credibility. You have to show that yep. uh, the the investigations you're doing, the information that you're bringing forth is pertinent, and truthful. Yep. Um, which Edwin has done a great job. I mean, it, like, I, I can't speak highly enough of his work because he's only, what, 22, 23 yeah, years super, old? Yeah, he's super young. And he's kind of just had a, a pension for this. I mean, people get into the markets in different ways, and he basically found out very early on, hey, this is what I, what I think is fun. I think it's fun to essentially investigate companies, find companies yeah. that have. And there's, I don't think there's a company out there that if you don't do digging on can find some dirt on, find at least that maybe they're, you know, some of their press releases that some of their marketing isn't what they make it out to be i mean you know th th you would be very hard pressed to find a company where a hundred percent there wasn't anything you could find on it um so it's just about knowing where to get that information edwin uh utilizes foia's freedom of information acts which is essentially mm -hmm. there's a lot of public info out there that you are entitled to but isn't released essentially automatically so you have to go essentially uh request it and then that information becomes public so um you, if they gave it to you without crazy redactions and yeah sometimes you'll get, like you can, subpoenaed and like you have to like provide yeah. you can afford to pay the the cost per what they charge you per page right yeah so. um there's some uh ken <laughs> clipperstein a, a guy on twitter he's he's a big foia guy and he's he's uh showed some times where he's like requested FOIA and and they make it purposely hard for him like the one page yeah. he's looking for they'll give him like 2000 pages and be like yeah here you go go find it you know um, yeah so yeah not not an easy process the FOIA process but Edwin you know utilizes that sometimes but yeah I mean again I don't I'm not like I don't you know read Edwin's short report being like shocked by anything because like I said I think anytime you have a platform like that that allows um, children to be on there interacting with strangers like well, for whatever unfortunate reason this is something that uh, will and can uh, inevitably happen um, it's it's all about the company's response for this going forward yep um, and to the point about 
short, you know, people putting publishing short reports and shorting the stock ahead of it. And I, I mean, it like the market is the ultimate arbiter, right? If you put out a, a report and it's garbage and it doesn't move the stock, then that's that, right? Uh, I, I, I personally, I, I think it, I, it's legal. I think it should remain legal. It's, it's, it is a manipulation. Everything is manipulation in, in, in its own way. I, I don't think it, you know, you know, front running your own report. If you have influence, then that's good. Then good for you, frankly, right? I mean, if, if you have the influence, very, very, very few people can uh, have a have big enough influence to move a stock by themselves. Like I can think of maybe five people off the top of my head that have the influence. Andrew left used to, but he doesn't publish short reports anymore. Um, Hindenburg uh, has proven he has influence. Um, you know, Warren Buffett can move stocks. Um, but there are not a, a lot of people out there. And I'm not talking about like the CEO of a company moving. I'm talking about like anyone, some somebody moving any any like a random stock. You know, there are if you have influence, good. I kind of think good for you. Good for you, honestly. Um, yeah, and I mean, this uh, kind of this vindicates that just uh, sort of the fact that Dorsey has at least some pull because he's able to move a, a forty billion dollar stock. Yeah, I mean, granted, Roblox is now moving back up and will probably close right around where it was before the short report came out. Um, because again, I, I don't think this is like new news for maybe a lot of, and and I haven't fully read it, and so maybe part of it is. Um, is new news in the short report, but just the fact, kind of putting all the information together and highlighting it. Yeah, uh, Kramer, thank you, Shelley. Kramer obviously has influence, right? <laughs> I think there's more than five people that, I mean, if, if uh, essentially there's a lot of people, I think, that once you put them on CNBC, I mean, we saw yesterday when uh, Kevin O'Leary was on CNBC saying he was buying Facebook stock, got a, the stock got a little bounce, but that's that says more to CNBC yeah, than speaks, it does. Yeah, that speaks more to CNBC than, than whoever's, uh, yeah. you know, on there, but... Right. Um, anyway, so okay, I, I have a, a segment I want to do right now, and we just we just put the link up to Edwin's uh, Substack in there for you. Um, we talk a lot about earnings on this show, especially during earnings season, and we talk about you know the fundamentals and the estimates and all that stuff. Let, let me give you guys a teaser as to the kind of research that the institutional side of Wall Street gets. Right, uh, I, I I got with some friends over at this firm called Visible Alpha. They were kind enough to send me a report. Um, yeah, Sadat. I mean, frankly, yeah, I, I'll be honest. I think there are bigger problems out there. I think front-running your own report in the grand scheme of things is not that big a deal. Sorry. I mean, I, I think Congress should not be – I think Congress trading stocks is a much bigger issue than some random person front-running themselves. I, okay, so Sadat's I, second point. He, I, I, at least I know I've seen Dorsey disclose in the past in some of his reports that he is holding puts on the company or he's short the company. Yeah. Um, I agree that there are bigger fish to fry. I think it is. The one thing there I'll are say, bigger issues than this. The, the one thing I will say is that if, if you're short a company and you're, or say you're investigating a company, you find some problems, you decide to short it, it kind of takes some of the objectivity out of that report. I mean, it's not objective to begin with. It's not like a short and long report. It's yeah. a short report. Yeah. But I think, you know, if you have a million dollar bet on something and you publish all this bad information, to me, it's like, okay, but this person isn't going to give the concessions to yeah. kind of objectively view this. They're going to just be given their side. Yeah. And if, and if the report is, is hot garbage, 
then may not happen right away, but eventually the market will see through that hot garbage. You only get so much credibility, unless you're Jim Cramer. I mean, then again, he's been around for 20 years, so he's built that up over time. Um, it, it's it's really no different than a company putting out a PR, touting something oh, else. Oh, 100%. It's no different than no that. No different whatsoever. I mean, do you know how many you know how many PRs out there that are like... Thousands? Complete, not even bogus, but just like... Tens of thousands. Regurgitation of the city, you know, just all these. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, the, the thing we were talking about yesterday with the trains and stuff, like there were so many PRs put out by Union Pacific, by uh, LAPD and whatever that ended up. Shelly, Shelly says I can move stocks. <laughs> I wish. Yeah. <laughs> um, does, does Chamath still move stocks? Uh, not anymore. He, he There was a hot minute there where he did, but not anymore. Um. Sorry. I've noticed that a lot of Edwin's reports, though, don't get picked up by, like, mainstream media. Interesting. Like, if you go, like, I'm just Googling Roblox and going to news, and there's no, like, not one headline about, like, so-and-so short yeah. report, you know? Yeah. And I noticed that with, I think he did one on is it sleep number, oh, no, uh, joint therapeutics. He did one on joint, and I, I remember that the stock went down, like, 10%, and there was no headlines out about it. And I was like, come on, man, give this guy some credit. Like, no well, one at shouldn't, Bloomberg. Shouldn't we have had that then? Yeah. You tell the news desk. We should have. Um, okay. So what I wanted to do anyway before I, I got distracted again, uh, I my, my friends over at Visible Alpha were kind enough to put together some research for me about Amazon uh, tonight. And I want to give you – I want to share them with you all. Okay. So they sent me this this uh, th this sheet here that just – I asked them, hey, can you look at like Amazon, specifically Amazon Web Services? I just want to have some context going into this report because – for any given stock, well, in, for Amazon in particular, there are, mm, if I had a ballpark it, let's just say 24, let's just say two dozen analysts that um, cover this stock on Wall Street. Maybe that's probably a little bit conservative, but let's just say two dozen analysts. You get a lot of professional grade research is done on Amazon, okay, on the business. Um, and when you're looking at an earnings report, yeah, the, the the top line numbers matter, right? Do they do they beat the estimate? Do they miss the estimate? But like, a lot of people on the street, they're they're, they're going into these reports with the advantage of having some of the sell side research already at their fingertips, right? So Visible Alpha was kind enough to share. They what they do is they just compile a bunch of sell side research and they do their own analysis. They were kind enough to share, share some stats with me. I wanted to share them with y'all right now. So I asked them, hey, can you guys look at AWS for me? And just, uh, I'm just curious about like how their business, how the AWS business specifically is growing. Okay, so this is this is Amazon Web Services revenue. Uh, Per, going back the last five years, and they, they have a few uh, projections out here. So we can see in 2017, Amazon Web Services was about $17.5 billion in revenue for the year. Look, 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 at, look at last year, $61 billion. And again, this, this is estimate because it's kind of going to be based on the number that Amazon gives tonight. But from, from $17.5 billion in 2017 to over $60 billion last year, okay? It's it's a cash cow machine. Um, I also thought this chart was interesting. Again, it shows the it basically just is a visualization of that table I just showed you. The growth of AWS. So the reason I asked for AWS specifically is because this this segment is Amazon's cash cow. This is their growth driver. 
They have many other businesses, obviously, but this is where the growth is right now. You can see it right there on the chart, okay? So let's keep going here because there's a lot here that, I, that I, I want to show you. Okay, yeah, this is great. This table shows, actually, let's just go to the chart. This chart shows Amazon's revenue broken down by segment, right? By third revenue from third-party sellers, uh, revenue from online and physical stores, and revenue from AWS. And you can see that the the gray there is AWS. It's getting larger and larger and larger. In 2016, it was it, it was it was basically nothing. It was the vast majority of the revenue came from other parts of the business. But now they're getting a, a pretty a not insignificant chunk of their revenue from AWS. So I wanted to show that as well. And um, what else did I want to show here? Um, nah, I didn't look at that. What else did I want to show? Uh, here we go. Um, well, this, this is kind of this is kind of the same idea, but shown in a different way. Um, and, and again, the the takeaway here is that AWS is is, is growing a lot. This is sort of the bottom line. Um, I just wanted to show you this chart, uh, this data, because like. We have some of the stuff in Benzinga Pro, but I, I, I want to give you an idea of just how much information is out there. And when you see an earnings report drop, right, and you see the numbers inside the report, and you see the stock reacting, know that there's, there are people that are modeling out these numbers out the wazoo, right? And there's always going to be someone with information, more information, different information. And that can oftentimes inform what the stock does so um i'm going to try to do more of these segments i, I want to see if, if they'll if, if they'll send me some different stuff going forward um if you have anything and this is going to be around earnings so if you have a specific uh earnings report coming up in the next week or two that you want to see some data for drop it in the chat and i'll see if i can ask them but uh i just wanted to show that to you because it, it that's the kind of stuff that the institutions have at their fingertips right um and and I thought it was really cool stuff. So thanks to Visible Alpha for showing me that. I, again, I'll, I'll get some more data for. Uh, so I don't know who reports next week yet. I have not looked that far ahead. But uh, whoever the big report is next week and the week after, I'm going to try to see if I can get some more information from them. But um, again, information is everything, and fundamentals matter not in the short term but in the long term. So I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that. And uh, if you have questions about that. Um, Dropped out. Just ask in the chat, and uh, I think I mean they, they gave that to me, so I'm pretty sure I can share it if you're interested in in, in seeing that link. But um, anyway, Amazon reports tonight. We will be streaming that conference call on Benzinga's YouTube. I don't know the time exactly. I haven't looked. I haven't looked yet. I think it's 5 p.m. Eastern time, but don't hold me to that. Um, but we'll be streaming Amazon tonight. Um, speaking of tonight. Um, I, I, I know yesterday, yesterday I said I would do Amazon and we would do Amazon and Ford. You want to do Ford as well, Aaron, tonight? Tonight. Think, it's tonight. Should we stream Amazon and Ford or should we, should we, in light of the Facebook report from last night, should we pivot off of Ford onto like a, a Snapchat or a, or a Pinterest? Or a Clorox? No. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, Snapchat could Nobody be Nobody cares about Clorox. Only you. No, uh, Snapchat could be interesting. I think maybe in light of last night's report, we'll probably pivot away from Ford onto Snapchat for tonight, um, because that report that was a doozy last night, and uh, 
there are implications for those businesses. So, um, okay, let's yeah yeah we're, we're doing Amazon Quantum. Don't worry about that. Okay, um, let's do this. Uh, we are up against the clock. A time flies when you're having fun. And our our last guest of the day is here with us right now. Excuse me. We are going to talk to Tony Drogton. He's the uh, chairman, and he's what is he's also like the 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 cheer, the chief cheerleader cheerleader in chief of uh, Hammett. We've been doing this recurring segment where we, we bring on companies from a new show called Going Public. It's it's the Amazing Race uh, Amazing Race beats Shark Tank beats beats. What did I say? I don't know, guys. It's been a long day. Uh, let's give Tony the special intro. Aaron, can we do that? I'm giving Tony the special intro. Tony, you ready? He's ready. Do it. Special intro time for Tony. Tony Drockton, welcome to Benzo ah. Alive. How's it going, Spencer and Aaron? Doing fantastic. Aaron, can I bum your charger off you real fast? Yeah. Thank you, man. My computer's about to die. Tony, uh, you're like the cheerleader in chief, chief cheerleader, right? It says it right there. How'd you give yourself that That's title? That's right. <laughs> well, it was actually given to be one of my employees many years ago. Uh, I'd love to say I chose it myself. I give her a lot of credit. You know, my role as the chairman and founder has always been to sort of cheer on the team, no matter what's happening. Uh, the fashion industry has got a lot of ups and downs. And uh, I just remember like when I played football, when we were down, those cheerleaders were out there getting the crowd up for big, for a comeback. And that's my, no role. matter so, what, right? No matter, no matter it what, a right? It's more fun founder, right? That's not great. So. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So uh, Hammett, tell us about it. Tell us about the business. Yeah. You know, we're a luxury handbag brand out of Los Angeles founded 13 years ago in my garage right here in Hermosa Beach. And we're still right here and we're just fighting the good fight to bring the first new American luxury handbag brand to America in over 20 years. Um, I can keep going, but I'd love to kiss. Let's, let's just what, keep talking here, Spencer. What, why, why, why luxury handbags? Your background, as I understand, is in real estate. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've got a yeah. multifaceted background. Like I said, I took the the indirect route to the luxury space, both uh, real estate, construction, digital advertising, MBA. Uh, I think my real love for fashion was kicked in many years ago. I love art, I love architecture, but I never thought I could be in the space until I saw these beautiful handbags built by Stephanie Hammett right here in the South Bay, decided to invest in with her. Um, and within a year, she gave me control of the company. She wanted to step back. And here we are 13 years later. What I love about this space, Spencer, is that it's constantly evolving. You know, hey, software is great, right? Manufacturing, fantastic. But in fashions, just in the 13 years I've been in it, we've done a complete 360 of what's working, and what's not, both online and offline, product-wise. Meanwhile, Hammett, we've stuck the course of what's worked for those luxury brands a hundred years ago and is still working today, which is you got to take care of the customer. You got to have the best product available against all your competition. And you got to make sure every experience with those customers is memorable so that they keep coming back. 
So, like, as someone, I, this may this may surprise you, Tony, but but neither of us know a lot about handbags. Um, what, what 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 are some of the uh, the headwinds and tailwinds you're facing right now? Like, like what is the state of of the industry besides the fact that it's always changing? Yeah, you know, I think overall the fashion industry, especially in the last two years, has been sort of the poster child of of supply chain problems, sourcing problems staffing problems right it's all been talked about but the reality of it is especially for hammett we've more than doubled in the last two years so when you talk about a tailwind what we did is we leaned into the pandemic and we said what can we do not versus what can we not do well we knew we can keep our people we can give them an opportunity to shine in new ways to drive top line revenue and make sure that we're going to still be in business on the other side of it and we can lead into the digital sphere into streaming and all the things that we could still connect with people. And then here we are uh, in 2022. And last year we grew 83% year over year. And we've more than doubled since the pandemic started. Now, what's the headwinds? Whew. There's a lot of, you know, we're constantly battling with the supply chain issues. But what we've done is we get ahead of that. We use air, we use other things. 60% of our revenue is uh, the same product. It's called Core year after year, season after season. So really it's only that 40% that's at risk from the supply chain because you can order best sellers way ahead and make sure you don't run out Spence. So that's yeah. one big headwind. I'd say the second big headwind is there's not a lot of love or trust for retail right now. And I'm bucking that trend. We've opened a second store during the pandemic. We got a third one we're gonna open ourselves and we're carried in 900 specialty and department store retailers and their business grew more than double in the last year. Why? Because we believe when you have great partnerships in retail, everyone can flourish. And we've proven that with the numbers. But the narrative with the press is just, no, retail is dying. It's just not true. Tony, who are the, who are the biggest uh, you know, retail stores that you're currently partnered with? Oh, I love talking about them. We're, we're in the two only family-owned family department stores. Jim Von Maher of Von Maher's in the Midwest. They've got 35 stores. And then Bill Dillard, Dillard's department store, about 250 plus uh, all around. The reason we partnered with those two is that we decided early on we were going to be map priced, minimum advertised price, just like Apple was for years. Same price everywhere. We also decided it would be the exact same product no matter who we sold it to. We didn't make to margin. We didn't have off brands or we didn't sell to discounters. So these two retailers early on said, we're gonna embrace that and we're gonna support you. They never put us on sale, they don't discount us. They're full partners in the, the relationship. And that's unlike any other big retailer that I spoke to. And then on top of that, we're in the Four Seasons, the Montage Hotels, a lot of special resorts, and really probably a specialty boutique in every neighborhood that you would shop for a luxury brand. And then some that you wouldn't expect it. Uh, good question in the chat from Shelly. Uh, essentially, she's asking, yeah. what, is, what, is, what is the price elasticity of a handbag here? And that's a good question because we're in an inflationary Ooh, environment. So good I'm, question, I'm, Shelly. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Well, I, I, I paraphrase. You're welcome, Shelly. But I, I paraphrase. Shelly from Delaware. That's basically the question. That's what I want to know, too. I have, you're taking me back to my MBA days. Price yeah. elasticity or elasticity. So price inelasticity means that it doesn't change with demand, correct? Can you help right, me out, right. guys? Yep. Right, right. Okay. And then elasticity would mean, so, uh, you know, we're, yeah, we're in a rising, we're in an inflationary environment. So you theoretically have to raise prices. Can you do that? Right. Is that a thing? Yes. That... So 
we have raised our prices in 19 and 20 and also in 21, just like okay. the great luxury brands, the Louis Vuittons, the Gucci's. My North Star are the fashion houses that have been around 80, 100 plus years. Okay. And price to them is not a relationship directly of demand. It's more a relationship of positioning. So for Hammett, at least, we believe that we can continue to command premium pricing over all the American brands simply because we're better. We deliver a better product and we deliver better experience after product. As a matter of fact, I like to say years ago, if you take a look at the aftermarket, there's these websites called The Real Real, Vestiaire, yeah. Poshmark, Depop. If you take a look at what product sells on these sites, that will tell you what the brand value is in the product. So in other words, if it was originally a $500 handbag and literally a month later you can get it for a hundred bucks, there's no brand equity in that brand. For Hammett, if you take a look at what our product sells for used, slightly worn, or even new with tags after the season's over, sometimes it's 70, 80% of the retail price and sometimes it's more if it's a limited edition. So to me, that explains the price and elasticity, which means I think- Got it. We're a pretty valuable brand, correct? Um, I, and then just you're a part of this show, Tony, this going public show. I, I, I want to ask you yeah. about that. I mean, you're basically trying to raise money for a reggae offering in front of in front of cameras in real time. Not in real time. Well, yeah, yeah. kind of in real time. I mean, I, I'm just like I imagine, you know, not that I've ever done it, but fundraising in general seems like a gigantic uh, pain. And doing it on camera seems like even more of a pain. Yeah. So I'm just curious, like, like, like what that's been like for you. Well, I mean, I'm a Cleveland boy, man. My parents taught me if you ask for money, it's a sign of weakness. And you take yeah. care of yourself. You earn it. You save it. You spend it. But borrowing it from others. Woo! So I had to really get over that, guys. Early on, I was really bad at it. That's why we say we're capital efficient. Spent the first 10 years really just trying to figure this industry out. We've built this entire brand on a couple of million dollars of raised capital. So going into a reggae plus for me was daunting, but we decided to take the challenge a couple of years ago. And we started it last year layering on top the going public show to me. It was just natural. Number one, it helped me learn how to raise capital. I mean, we got interviews with billionaires. We did live pitches in Vegas. A lot of the things you're going to see in the show. And by the way, I failed pretty bad on those early ones. But it got me set up for conversations like this and others where yeah. I can be a lot more comfortable in my skin and feel that I'm bringing as much value to the relationship with the investor as they're bringing with me with the money. And to me, that's the win-win. I'm confident that raising the money now, that's not the victory. I really believe that's the start of a long-term relationship of success. And that's why we're doing it. And going public can highlight that attitude and how we're building Hammett and really what we're looking to beyond this capital raise. Tony, give us something from the show that, like, like I don't know if, if you want to say your favorite thing, but something that surprised you. A show that surprised me. You know, meeting with the mentors surprised me. Uh, each one brought different value. So, like, Jamie, and I, big reveal, I won't say, but she was amazing. I mean, she built a billion dollar brand, sold it. She sat down and within two hours, we completely redid our website. As a matter of fact, you're going to see a completely new website than they're showing on the show because they'd already saw some scenes. You're going to see it. It's all both Jamie and then Jeff, Jeff Hoffman. I think you guys had on recently. He yep. is so laser focused. He sat down with us boom, within an hour. It was just like, 
I love what he said to me. He said, Tony, what's the one thing that people buy a ham and handbag for? And I think I gave him like seven. He goes, no, no, what's the one? And I'm like, I don't know. He's like, well, you need to find that out. So we've really focused on that. After people invest, I call a couple a day and I always just, that's, I use Jeff. I'm like, hey, what's, what's the one reason you, you decided to invest in Hammond? And I always get different answers, but when you hear the same thing over and over again, that becomes the one. So. Awesome. Uh, Tony Drockton is the uh, chief cheerleader, it says it right there, of Hammett, uh, featured on the Going Public show. The links to which are in the yes. description, in the chat, and on the screen. <laughs> See, he's doing it right now. Tony, uh, thanks for coming on today. Have a great rest of the day, and, uh, and, and good luck uh, in the fundraising process. Thanks, Spencer. Thanks, Aaron. I love watching you guys. You're doing a great job. All right. Thanks All a right. lot. Thank you, Tony. Have a great rest of your day. Hey, so we're doing a great job. Uh, that's nice. That was so, from a nice, so nice of him. You know who else? You know, uh, former President George W. Bush was a cheerleader. What? You didn't know that? Is this, is this, is this like a punchline? Is this like a joke to a punchline to a joke? I don't. I don't think so. Unless I'm just wrong. <laughs> Wait, wait. We got, we got two minutes to go here on the show. We got a lot still to do. Some announced some housekeeping items. We haven't done the crypto update. Oh no! <laughs> it's red again every day with the stupid crypto. Oh, I I love you, crypto, but I also am immensely frustrated by you. Bitcoin in the red, Ethereum in the red, Solano in the red. Hey, the three things that I own are down again. Cardano's looking not bad today. All right. Um, anyway, if you want some free Bitcoin, why wouldn't you want free Bitcoin? I, I don't know, frankly. It boggles the mind because everything is better when it's free. All you have to do is go to the Voyager app on your phone. If you don't have it, download it. Uh, create an account, use the offer code Zing, Z-I-N-G, fund your account with 100 bucks, and make a trade, and they will send you $50 in Bitcoin for free. Again, that's Voyager. Check out the app there. Second thing I want to do is we haven't done a uh, um, a promo for the, the Super Bowl uh, squares all week, Aaron. We've forgotten to do this. Aaron and I are going to scan the code on the screen. We're going to the Super Bowl. We're not going to the Super Bowl. Uh, scan the code on the screen, that QR code. Enter the Quicken Loans Super Bowl sweepstakes contest. And uh, maybe, Aaron, well, you, not maybe, you will see Aaron and I in there as well. Enter to win a half a million dollars in prizes. Check it out. Last thing again, I'm going to say it um, again. Four o'clock today, Eastern Time. A panel of experts on the Benzinga Cannabis Insider Show talking about what the future holds for cannabis in the U.S. Stay tuned after the At The Close show, 4 o'clock Eastern Time today. Check it out. Benzinga or YouTube.com slash Benzinga. Now, we did not have time for trivia today. We did not have time for Guess That Chart today. We will do both of those tomorrow, I promise. Uh, but we got to go because it's time for the roadmap. So, I guess goodbye. So long. And Love you guys. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Would you rather have five hundred dollars or five hundred Bitcoin? What kind of a question is that? I don't know. I mean, I I think if I if you ask the five hundred wait five hundred Bitcoin or five hundred dollars? Yeah, one I, Bitcoin is worth like thirty thousand dollars. I know, but you know that. I think if you go ask a lot of people on this, that's going to be the next man on the street segment because I think a lot of people would say five hundred dollars. Oh man! All right, man on the ice next time. That's what we're gonna do. He's gonna go on the ice rink and do it. Have a good one, everyone. Catch you later.